Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I don't like blood and guts But I love them when they're lengthily discussed Cause nothing's more relaxing Than the cries of death and love So spend a ten Cozy afternoon into dusk here with the With Gorley and Rust podcast. I'm Matt Gorley. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm Paul Rust, and this is, well, as they say uh, in the movies, this is magic hour right now. Look That's at this. Right. Or golden hour? Yeah, both. I think it's the gloaming. It's everything. You and I don't normally podcast this late in the day. You know, I was thinking uh, as I was parking outside your house, I was like, this is our equivalent of... Uh, with Gourley and Rust at night. I know, but remember... 5 p.m. <laughs> after dark. With Gourley yes, and Rust, dark. slightly before dark. <laughs> remember, though, in Voorhees We Trust, I think we did all night. Didn't we do a lot of night times with that? Because yeah. like I remember our two guests... The guests Jessica were at, uh, and Tracy Toms were at night. Were at nighttime. It was a lot with, more spooky at night. Yeah, especially when you're surrounded by trees here at yeah. nighttime. And... and uh, um uh dare i say jarvis level windows jarvis cam cabin level windows that jason could smash his hands that's right like you could be pulled through that window at any time i don't want to scare you (laughs) i started now referring to as we were just discussing off mic uh my uh uh, family we went and traveled uh and stayed at a cabin uh uh over president's day weekend Uh i guess it was right yes uh and uh, I've now used, not even consciously using Jason, uh, Jasons as a plural for like killers. <laughs> so it like locked the window to, at door, and I was like, I'm just locking it because I don't want any Jasons to so get So you in. Jason proofed the door. Yeah. <laughs> just in the woods. I Michael proof my, my house here because it's in the suburbs. <laughs> right. And then yeah. at night, when we put our heads on the pillow, yeah, we, we Freddy proof. Freddy proof. <laughs> yes. And if we ever go to space, we'll Zeno proof. Oh, God willing. I know. Um, what, uh, hey, and now we're going to have to king proof. That's right. We've buried the lead once again. We're back. Yeah. Better than ever for what we're calling the king fling. <gasps> oh, man. What? I also thought, okay, 
So this goes about 10 weeks. That's right. 10 weeks. We'll maybe take a break in the middle, but 10 episodes. Yeah. So we're starting roughly the beginning of March. Yes. This is going to plop us right down mid to late May, my favorite time of year, spring. I think I might know where you're going with this. Spring King Fling. Oh my The God. spring King Fling. Now, maybe spring is better at the end, but then I was thinking of like, you know, the spring dance. The spring I think King it's got to be at the front. It's got to, yeah, it's got to be the spring King Fling. Or King Time, Fling Time, Spring, spring Time. Spring Time, King Time, Fling Rhyme. Now, I think you had it in one. The Spring King Fling. If we feel okay about it. You feel open. Oh, I already feel it's right. It sounds like, <laughs> uh, like a car sale happening. Like the Spring King Fling is going on now. You're a Toyota dealer. It definitely come on does and get not a Christine. like we're going to be discussing Stephen King movies. No. Did you say Christine though? We'll come down to the Spring King Fling and buy a Christine at your... What kind of car is Christine? Uh, uh, oh boy. A Ford... Fairlane. Uh, Seriously? No, no, oh. no. I, uh, uh, boy, I wish I could. Uh, Plymouth. A Plymouth. Plymouth Fury. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. I think. I hope that's right. Um, oh, but since the dead zone Our starts zone. in wintertime. Yes. I was like, what if while we're randomly pulling these out, the last one are like springtime so Oh, if, if there's a, a, a shining or a god... Make the season specific and let it happen. If there was a sequel to The Shining directly after, not like Doctor Sleep, Sleep, but directly after. Intern and, Sleep. Yeah, and it was about uh, thawing, like springtime, <laughs> like the time, the spring after. The they overlook. should. I want to see that movie both times the Overlook tragedy has happened. The spring cleaning crew that has to go in. There's oh, no I more like to. haunting. It's just they have to deal with all this. Matt, as a... As a uh, uh, a child who grew up in very, very cold winters in, in Iowa. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and like things to be clean and tidy. Mm-hmm. Springtime was the best because the doors and windows all got opened. Oh. That's partly why I love California. It's just like springtime yeah. uh, mostly year round, except for a few months where it gets very, very hot. Yes. Uh, but yes. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, but then also the house would get kind of, you do some spring, spring cleaning. cleaning. Yeah. We hear we do like an out, we have to do an outdoor spring. We call it opening day for like the <gasps> opening of the season where we That's have to it. uncover things and clean bird shit off our deck and you know, yeah, all that. that's fun. So uh, you said bird shit. I went, that's fun. It is fun. Have it you ever done a, a garage sale or anything like that? We keep meaning to and then we end up just taking it to Goodwill because like mm-hmm. the, the thought of spending a whole day doing a garage sale does not appeal. Yeah, my wife, um, we haven't done a garage sale in a while, but we did a couple and she loves doing them, Leslie, mm-hmm. because uh, I think you, uh, uh, she loves talking to new You meet people, every kind people, yeah. at a garage sale. Yeah. Garage sales, traffic school, jury duty, and hotel hot tubs. You meet real <laughs> different, the- different types in a good way. Like, Yeah, but it, 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 it puts you in a situation that's in a inescapable you're forced to get along yeah in a good way yeah much like that ray liotta movie no escape <laughs> i think that was based on a hot tub aren't they in a hot tub in that movie <laughs> i don't know uh but is there any uh uh, uh business yeah so this Let's, is the spring king fling or business in front 
pleasure in the back. This is the spring <laughs> the bullet king podcast. fling. We're starting with the dead zone. Super excited about this Ooh, season. Yeah. Um, oh, I oh boy, what a crop of fun movies. Oh, I know. And one, and what about. I wanted to kick it off with. I'm just going to spoil it. I loved this movie and I'd never seen it. Okay, we'll get into that in a yes. second. But what we're talking about here is this is the with Gorley and Russ podcast. This is yeah. where you come. If you're in the market for a long podcast, that's cozy and goes on whatever tangents it needs to go on without any grief from the tangent police who's <laughs> outside my Michael proofed windows right now. Um, we have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust, where we do feature length film commentaries. We just mm-hmm. recorded the one from Halloween three. It's out now. Those one blast. of the bits of business we have to cover is that every fourth commentary, is that right? Every third? Uh, uh, uh every third. Yeah. Every because third you, commentary. then me or me, then you, then, uh, yes. The trustees, what we call or you, then the trustees, then me, I mean, you, the me. Okay. They nominate and then choose the commentary that we're going to do. And so the winners of the nomination were The Burbs, Manhunter. There was a real grassroots campaign, I think, from the Discord on that. (laughs) Mr. Mom, which is not a horror movie, but is so cozy, it has to be considered. Yes. And Gremlins to the New Batch. The fairly clear winner is we're going to be doing Gremlins to the New Batch for our next commentary. Fun. Yep. That's, I, I mean, great. Holy shit. Because uh, I just watched Manhunter, and I, I as much oh. as I really do like that movie, I, I had just seen it. So that did make me think um, um, we should do a Hannibal Lecter stretch. season. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be that's fun. That's a great idea. Ooh, that's um, a real good idea. Ooh, you know what? This is just occurring to me. We even have to do this, but it could be like also with the Psycho movie because they're both. The Ed Gein. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Silence of the Lambs. That is Hannibal Lecter. What am I saying? Oh, no. Well, Texas Chainsaw is also Oh, yeah. Ed that's Gein. what I'm thinking yeah, of. And yeah, let's yeah. throw some A-Team in there because Hannibal leads the A-Team. Most definitely. I mean, it should be primarily Hannibal-centric episodes of A-Team. There's got to be like a slightly spooky episode of the A-Team, uh, like a Halloween episode or something. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, Halloween episodes of TV shows are Forget it. prime. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, um, oh, and just, you know, not always, but sometimes, since I have the pick after the trustees nomination, uh-huh. a lot of times I might kind of fall on the second or third, whatever was highest sometimes. So uh, li- who knows? I like what I'm hearing. I mean, I might have the choice to choose the movie we our hearts have desired, oh. but we'll see. We'll oh, see. Oh, and that I, might make a lot of trustees happy, but it might make some folks upset. So I gotta. I don't want to. You know. But well, I would we say this. Oof. This. 100% no argument. This podcast started off very specific as a Friday the 13th podcast, then became Halloween, mm-hmm. the natural progression into Freddy. Mm-hmm. But we did change the name to With Gorley and Rust. And inherent in that name is nothing specific to horror, even though that's where our hearts lie and that's what we're that's going true. to do. 99% of the time, yes. but every once in a while, you got to put a little something else in there to make you make you appreciate. Yes. You know? The sprinkle on top of the cupcake. Now, people are right now going, hey, the sprinkle's the best part. The easy, easy. But, Not necessarily. Uh, if yeah. there's, what if there's chocolate chip cupcakes? There's a nice Seinfeld bit of the uh, icing on the cake. Uh, isn't that the best part? You know? Yeah. Oh, God, I'm so... <laughs> 
dumb. There's a Seinfeld bit about Harmony New Boo 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 Boo. Uh, so go to Patreon.com. You'll also get mailbag episodes. You get these episodes ad free and a week early. Come on. Fun. You get occasional special things we'll throw up there, whether that be movie draft episodes. Yeah. Um, all cozy awards, which yeah. I think April is coming up, which means we're bat down for the next cozy bracket which will be just on patreon God. wow that's that's big brackets are a blast that's big that's big news that's brackets are the a blast. Bra- brackets are the blast um and then before we get into things i just like to read a handful of baby xenomorph names because yes. those that subscribe at the highest level are called baby xenomorphs and we promise to read their names yeah and um because of patreon's weird thing it doesn't always show up and so just email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com if your name has not been read if you slip through the cracks yeah, yeah. the first one is justin wilson the next one is jason s there's Ooh. no full name. Good thing it's not Jason V. What if it's Jason? S- oh no, Jason Steele. I was afraid it was Jason Sorhees. <laughs> Sorry, it's a, a Canadian Friday Thirteenth. <laughs> Jason Sorhees about that. This is we've certainly made this joke before, right? Jason Voorhees, a jolly good fellow. I don't know. <laughs> now somebody will make a super cut of the. 15 times you've done that and me going like, I've never heard that before. (laughs) Nathan Brosey, who also, um, just a heads up, when you do send in your names, I can't necessarily get to the full body of all the emails, but I did want to point out something here, which is very interesting, that he seems to have found a Halloween Easter egg in the latest Scream movie. The main character, Sam, in Scream, finds out she is Billy's daughter it's never said out loud in the movie, but that would make her Sam Loomis. That's dope. I, I yeah. read that on a Reddit that after I watched it, but I that's a great thing to share now with our listeners. And people should go listen to all of our screen ones. Those were a hoot. Yes. Joshua Inman. And finally, John Rice. Hey, all right. All right. That's that's it for business here. Um, when you said uh uh um uh we said blast, right? Remember we, brackets blast, bracket blast, bracket yeah. blast, yeah. It's a blast. Um, uh, bomb pops are no longer ca- called bomb pops; they're oh. called blast off pops. Because bomb is too in- controversial. Yeah. Now I'm going to go on a big tirade. Why yeah. can't they keep the popsicle? Oh, no, no, I, I don't give a shit. But I just thought it was interesting. Also, if you're just trying to avoid a rocket connotation, call it a rocket pop. And it's no longer Bomb Pops. What's next? My RPG chocolate bars are going to be taken away. What about my oozy smoothies? Okay, I see where you're going with this. My rocket propelled grenade chocolate bars? What, oh my God. what about my... You uh, can pry your Duff bar from me for my cold dead fingers and they'll be cold because I'm holding a dumb bar. <laughs> uh, there is one more bit of business that oh, I have uh-huh. to, I just need to follow up on something. And that is, we talked a little bit about the Ninja Turtles last episode. Okay. And I told the story about how Amanda was writing for the Michael Bay reboot of the Ninja Turtles. And 
didn't know anything about the Ninja Turtles and, you know, called Shredder Schneider in a pitch for a joke. I don't know if I... Yeah, this was last episode, Paul. Am I going quite mad? I think you're going quite mad. Go on, go on. I'm so sorry. No, and that and that um, she didn't know who the turtles were. You know, like she knew who they were, but she didn't know what their names were and what, uh, what each one was. So the other day I told her how we talked about this and I said, I'm Geez just, Louise. I'm just curious, could you name the turtles? You've now worked on the film. What are the four turtles' names? And she goes, Michelangelo. John and Da Vinci. <laughs> uh, uh, well, based on my memory, I'd be surprised if I could remember your guys' names, let alone the turtles. How could I not remember that? I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, um, maybe I blocked it out of my mind because I've secretly been um, using Radi active uh, radioactive ooze oh, to make yeah. my own turtles and I, I'm worried that that might slip out oh boy wait a minute I want to know more about this so what are they named after are there four and then they're named after like John Ringo Paul and George or that's it that's a, it, it exactly but not Ringo it's uh Pete oh Pete best I only recognize wow. Pete best era uh Beatles oh wow okay used to be st- do Sutcliffe as well, but that yeah. was a little too limiting. Okay, yeah, you went yeah. right in the middle. There. Yeah, all right. Um, how smug were the people who were like buying the singles for the Beatles in like l- late '63, and then they explode? You could just be like the ultimate. Oh, I was into that. Like the ultimate, yeah, yeah. I liked them before they were cool. <laughs> That would be something. I mean, that's how the people in Hamburg must have felt. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there are. Did you have any of those? Or Liverpool, too. Uh, oh, um, not really. I grew up, um, as I said, Northwest Iowa, which was a stone's throw away from Omaha. It was like a two-hour drive. So I got to go, and I had a friend who was a year older than me who lived there. I would go visit him, and uh, he was friends with a lot of the people who were involved with the Saddle Creek uh, label, which was Bright Eyes and The Faint. Um, So I would go and see their shows, and I went to a couple. As a senior in high school, I would go to a house show uh, on a weekend to visit my friend John, and I would get to see, like, uh, yeah, whoever. And so then when uh, uh, around 2005, when Bright Eyes, you know, yeah. it wasn't like uh, it exploded, but I was just like, oh, yeah. I've been, been like in Bright Eyes for about five there, years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Been but blinded. Not anywhere close to <laughs> anything. Uh, I mean, I love Bright Eyes, but uh, what about you, man? Oh, no, God, no. Probably everything on the tail end. Uh, well, maybe in California, did you have any music or otherwise? Like, I guess we had no exposure. Kind of came around, yeah. Um, and I remember them being around before they were big, but I wasn't really into them. Um, right. Was it kind of like kitty stuff at the time? No, I just it just wasn't my thing i guess i don't yeah. know no, not your uh I wasn't cup in, of orange juice i wasn't into anything so hardcore and rebellious <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, uh, what about movies or TV shows? Now or books that, or anything? that's a different story. Yeah. I guess I was probably into some things. cult stuff probably before it became kind of a known cult thing. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what. Well, I think eventually Halloween six. Uh, the- <laughs> People, the fandom for it is growing, and I think uh, you're the captain of that. Here's ship, my here's friend. here's my the the perfect trio. Halloween six, I will say yes. Ground floor, <laughs> Quantum of Solace. Ground floor. That's yes. coming back around. And Daniel Craig is Bond. The minute he was announced, I was like, I get it. I yep. get it. I'm not trying to. Yep. You know, I know people know I'm a big Bond guy. I'm not trying to retroactively clay, lay claim to that. I was. There from the beginning, I'd seen Munich. I I loved it. I believe it, and yeah. I know it. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. And it seems like with those first two examples, an appreciation for a overlooked gem. Yeah. Oh, and it's I very forgot. Gorly. Um, candid farts. I was big on candid farts. <laughs> Back when it was just on video, when Kane Hodder was passing it around. Tape to oh tape. <laughs> I kind of don't even would ever watch it because the, the reviews and descriptions of it were like <laughs> people's disappointment of like, they don't really even sound like real farts and the people's reactions seem more confused. No, I do remember you telling me about Candid Farts. <laughs> How could you forget? Oh, we got to get a copy of Candid Farts. Candid Farts. It's probably online somewhere. I haven't even Googled it. Oh, I'm worried to Google it. Hey, <laughs> at work? I know. I mean, you'll get fired. Not safe fart work. Somebody walks by. Not safe fart work. Okay. Not sounding farts well. Perfect. Oh, God. Listeners, if this is your first time joining us, come on, stay with us. You could do this. Yeah, you come on, can come do on, this. Come on. I, I, I don't really uh, uh, have a job where people are walking by me and looking at my computer, okay? Uh, yeah, I don't either. Uh, yeah, okay. So that's uh, just up front. Unless it's my wife or cat. Uh, <laughs> same. Yeah. But I don't even own a cat. What? what? Oh, my goodness. Now you've caught us in a lie. So should we stay with us? Should we talk about a uh, dead zone here? Yes, let's talk about headlines. First of all, this is a Stephen King book produced by Dino De Laurentiis Woo. and Deborah Hill. Wow! Directed by David Cronenberg. Wow! Starring Christopher Walken. And that's a, yeah. Written by oh, I agree with you on all of that, brother. And then written by Jeffrey Boehm, oh, right. who, if you look at his filmography, all of them are beloved movies. And I think he is like a genius for the era that he wrote in, yeah. starting like from Dead Zone to early 90s. He was like the king of being able to, uh, yeah, I mean, he wrote Last Crusade. Oh, he wrote Lethal Weapon 2. Yeah. He was like the guy people went to to He's like the 1989 bring the master, man. Yeah. But that's just a confluence of people and places and not even necessarily all for the best. Like, I don't know how much Dino De Laurentiis was adding to the quality of this thing. Right. But just what a, what a, Talk about your traffic school, your hot tub, and you know, like what? What's a room full of those people? Yeah, like, you know? I mean, you're right though. Deborah Hill with David Cronenberg. So we've they're already with Gorley and Rust Faves. Yeah, um, right. And then uh, and Dino De Laurentiis, he did something else or two that we covered. Yeah, he did um, uh, Halloween uh, two and three. He was uh, he right. owned those, and then. Uh, uh, I, 
he was uh yeah part of a, others i think um he and then subsequently he does other um king adaptations yeah. so uh but and i wrote down in the notes here i i, I think there's something maybe to he either own the rights to King titles. So mm. they were just like churned out maximum overdrive and cat's eye and Firestarter. Yeah, he must've done an overall deal. Yeah. And if you look at the front or the early quarter of like the Stephen King adaptations, they're all, they're pretty prestige. Mm-hmm. And I think the De La Rentis brand or the, that string, I love his yeah the movies we all know what we're so, talking about here so yeah. do i but we also know we're being real because we've talked to yeah. what we described him before we were like oh he's roger corman with lots of money yes that's right <laughs> so his tastes and interests is puerile or whatever yeah. as like a um uh carnival barker as yeah. they be uh yeah. it's they're really so fun to watch yeah but that said uh with the exception of Stand By Me, which isn't a horror movie. Right. It's not until like Pet Cemetery, maybe, certainly Misery. There's like, it kicks off. This is like the last, I think, kind of classy King adaptation for for the decade. Yeah, I think you're right. And I loved this movie. I me really, too. I really liked it. What did you, uh, what did you love about it? It's cozy. Mm-hmm. It's simple. It's Ugh. odd in that it's like kind of three separate stories. Yeah, like it has a structure of a fil- in film that you don't often see. Like yeah, which I know is so all- fun to right. I it's- agree, and I'm always for this kind of thing because I feel like the world has become militant of you have to have your your three acts. Where you could say this movie very distinctly has three acts, mm-hmm. but they're almost there's the overarching theme of his power. But yeah. the stories, other than the loose connection between the two and the three, are kind of un- strangely unrelated. Oh, and- yeah. The fact that this movie allows you to have a, a sit-town slasher, a local slasher. Yes, which kill- I thought was going to be the whole movie. Yeah. I oh, had no right. idea. Killing girls, yeah. a slasher killing uh, girls in the town. You get that along with a political assassination movie. Yes. Along with just... A visual of a president in the future putting his hand on an electronic <laughs> pad. There's just, yeah, it offers up so much to love. And he's in a coma 11 minutes in. That's, That's the bohem touch, I think. I think he's like really, he's with the audience by this point. Yeah. Where he's like, audiences are getting smart. I have to think as, as fast or as quickly as as they do. And yet we never know why this thing happens to him. Um, right? Like right. how he gets this. Is that, I wonder if in the book you know more about that. But well, this it's, is probably the, oh, go ahead. it's just so stripped down and solid and simple oh, of a guy awesome. gets yeah. in a comb. Or, I mean, you could argue he has the power before because he kind of has a sense before it happens. So he's got some kind of second sight and it's like the coma has awakened it in yeah. him, ironically. Yes, that's what I was going to say is that uh, re-watching this, this is probably like the fifth time I've seen this since like the age of nine. Oh, wow. When I first saw it on ABC, like Sunday night movie uh-huh. of the week. Um, uh, I noticed him saying the roller coaster uh, stuff, kind of like rattling his brain and stuff. And yeah. it seems to be kind of like a, 
a premonition or something a yeah. set up to what's going on in his brain. This is where it would help if we read the book. Cause I'm sure in the book it was like Very. on the roller coaster, he saw a vision or yeah. something. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, uh, um, I think the like visions too are so, uh, like it'd be interesting to look at how the adaptations, like which premise from a book, it lends itself best to a movie. But I was thinking about, you couldn't ask for a better cinematic device than the dead zone, like the premonitions he has. Yeah. Because the fact that you can cut to them where he, you see them, you can cut to them where he's in them. Uh-huh. You can cut to where he's walking, like, and you're doing it in his, that's like, only a movie can kind of like and take only, you to different places through editing without explanation. Like yeah, just the sense of seeing it cut together. Based off a shot of him shaking someone's hand or yeah. in the case of like Martin Sheen, the button being in the way of them touching flesh, yeah. you know. But I f- fucking forgot this. I've been in that tunnel. Which tunnel? The dead zone tunnel where, where the killer killed the girl. Wait, with the gazebo and stuff? No, not the gazebo. The the famous tunnels on the the oh, poster and the when he's walking through with the cops. And yes, the, yes, yes, yeah, and uh, uh, scare it. Yeah, yes, right. Uh, where's that tunnel at? How did you? It's in walk Toronto. The... What? I went to Canada for a podcast festival one time. Oh my gosh! And I, my my good friends from the Film Junk Podcast, which is another great film podcast. Not saying ours is. <laughs> <laughs> How horrible sounding is that? That's like a, um, calling out your own name in the act of lovemaking. Oh my God. Film Junk is another top tier awesome uh, film podcast. No, what I'm, I think what I meant to say is they go long like we do and they get tangenty and cozy. Anyway, my friend Jay, this was, I think I had finished doing the I Was There Too podcast, but he took me to famous filming locations in Toronto. Like we went to the, the school and pole in Christmas story where the kid licks it. We oh, went wow. to Niagara falls from Superman two. And he took me to the dead zone tunnel and it was super freezing and it was super late at night. And we walked into the tunnel and it was super scary, but it's on film junk episode 683. If you want to listen to it, we recorded hey, the right whole on. thing and you can hear it. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, what did you think? So when you were there, you were probably getting spooky horror movie I vibes. I definitely do. Cause I'm such a, I'm such an excitable boy where I can get startled so easily. Yeah. I did half think like I knew we had the plan to go there, but like, I kind of was a little worried, like, are they going to do a thing where Michael Myers comes down this tunnel? Are they going to try to scare me? So I did have oh, like a readiness yes. about me, which always makes you jittery. Mm-hmm. But it is a creepy tunnel because it's real muddy in there and, mm-hmm. and cold and dripping and damp. And Well, the location and the weather that you just mentioned, uh, I mean, that might be – I mean, there's so – what you mentioned, there's so many elements of this that are like right place, right time, yeah. lightning in a bottle. Right. But um, the snow in this and the like setting oh, is yeah. – does like 90% the work of the movie. What oh. atmosphere – I mean, you said it. The headline was coziness. Yeah, and the fact that he's – it's cold and he's always in a long coat, but he's also got a cane most of the time. That there's just cozy. something about the like reluctant – 
prophet with a cane, the injured, yes. reluctant prophet. And Christopher Walken, too, this is before he became a self-parody of himself. Mm-hmm. He's so good in this. I mean, uh, that was the other uh, high praise I was going to give it, was just perfectly uh, cast. Yeah. I, I don't know any other actor at that time who could. And I think what's great about his performance is sort of what's great about the score and the story, which is like um, he has sincere romantic passion yeah, and like a beating heart yes. with lots of feelings. And I believe that. yeah. And then when he has to be kind of like, obviously we know now Christopher Walken can, and sure people saw Deer Hunter by this point, like they know he can play like rattled. Yeah. But uh He's so perfect. I mean, he gets to play both those things. And I think the movie is so romantic. And I do love the score. It's like, it's like spooky. It's what the movie is. It's yeah. like spooky plus, um, uh, yeah, spooky romance. Yeah. And you're right about the walking thing because this is before his weird element that he got typecast into was cemented. So he, he was just known weird. as yeah. versatile at this point. So in this one, because he all, he does have a, you know, like no secret. Everybody does the Christopher Walken impression. He has mm. a strange delivery. Right. This is before it became a thing. So it just kind of like helps you fill in the blanks for him having a second sight. But at the same time, you don't see him in this as a weirdo. You see him as a kind of like victim and Damaged unfortunate guy, yeah. guy and hapless in a way, yeah. but very smart and a guy who takes his own agency. So he's smart and he's like kind of a hapless victim and warm. And you, it's weird to watch yeah. a walk-in movie where you feel for him like he's vulnerable. I never You're right. This would play different if somebody watched like the first two the prophecy movies yeah. and then had to watch the dead zone. Yeah. 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 And then by the time you get to 85, when he's the villain in a bond movie, I think you oh, can't go back at that point. That's true. Yeah. It, I mean, whew, that's a conversation for James bonding, which is like, if, what are the post, what are the careers post bond villain of the actors who play them? It's a, it gets a little dicey because yeah. I think people, it's not to say because you stepped onto the set of a James Bond thing, it cursed you. It's just where you're at in your career is maybe an indicator of what it is and where it will. Or, I mean, uh, I think that's uh, right. I think it's Javier less. Javier Bardem maybe. Flies well, in the now face it's of that. less the case because they're prestige right. action films. And so if you look at Craig's villains, you've got Mads Mikkelsen, who's not been pigeonholed by that. Um, um, Mathieu Almeric, mm-hmm. who's had a whole career in France and right. still does. And, and then, uh, yeah, Javier Bardem, Christoph Waltz and Rami Malek. None of them are going to suffer from that, but right. in the Roger Moore era, I don't know. I mean, the they, only thing with the worst batting average is like hosts of the Muppet show. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, Ooh, I don't uh, think there's a single Roger Moore villain that really ever rose above or beyond a Bond villain role. And probably also Brosnan. I mean, lateral moves, because it's not like you're slumming to be in a Bond movie, but like right. Sean Bean, he did Game of Thrones, but it's still mm. genre. Mm-hmm. And then um, what's his name? Yeah. Carver. Uh, uh, Bright. Oh, God, why can't I think of his name? Jonathan... Price. Oh, okay. I was thinking of um, the train spotting fella who played Begbie. Oh, yeah. 
You might say like he's got his own path he carved out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's an interesting And then who's the fourth villain? It's um Toby Stevens, I think is his okay. name. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, and you don't see him as much. Uh Toby or not Toby, Toby. Stevens. <laughs> uh Matt, with that wonderful uh quip from me. Yeah. Uh can we now here now I know we've been doing nicknames for bathroom breaks. Yeah. Gorley, what if this time we don't? Do you just want to stop? Yeah, because it's our podcast and it takes time. And last time I think we did it, it was like I had to go really bad. And it, so I had to race right through and I'm like, oh, I think I don't think I'm at my best when we're coming up with the names because my brain is focused. I up. agree. And so it ends up being kind of maybe like a disappointment. I agree. And I think like how we, we moved on from Terrence and Bradley. Maybe they'll come back someday. Maybe yeah. the pee break will come. We have to evolve and we'll find new things. This is our Sergeant Peppers. Exactly. We're advancing. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll be right back. With Bradley and Bradley. To Stephen King here. What a cool yes, dude. That's right. What I a know. cool guy. And what a one of a kind guy too. Mm-hmm. Like super prolific, sometimes even to the detriment of his overall canon of work. But I remember the first time it, it hit me how prolific he was. And when I did the math once when I was in junior oh, high, wow. like this came out here, it was jaw dropping to me. And it still is. I can't get really my mind around how he could be. I mean, what's I your... well? The old joke with him is just so much of his writing career was fueled by cocaine. I mean, he even says so, but not for a while. But now, yeah, now he's probably had more non-coke years than I also realized I've never read a Stephen King book. I think I've read all his Richard Bachman books. Oh, wow. But I've not read... Which we'll get think. to read with, uh, or we'll get to experience with The Running Man, The right? Running Man. Do you remember, well, we'll talk about the episode. Did you like... When you read the Richard Bachman books, you like his writing? I really liked him. Yeah, yeah. Apt Pupil I loved. And um, 
Ugh. I guess the body is what Stand By Me is uh-huh. called, but there's something else I really loved. I is that the one where is. the guy uh, is on a desert island and eats his own body? No. Oh, like morphine washes up to shore and so he can like... Is this real? Yeah. Really? My sister Amy... The she... body is Stand By Me. Oh, right, right. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Then there's another one that's about his own body. I guess. Oh my God. And my sister, uh, when she lived in Chicago, she read it on a full subway train, uh, on her way to like work or something. Uh, she had to stop reading. It was making her, she almost barfed. Oh God. Um, wow. I've only read, uh, one of his books. I read the shining yeah. when I was in high school and I loved it. And I've picked up, uh, other books of his, I'll get like three chapters in. I'm digging it more about me yeah, than about Stephen King that, that I put it down. Um, but my aforementioned wife, Leslie, loves Stephen King, mm. has probably read, I'd say, 60% of his work. Oh, my God. How, yeah, how many books would you say he has off the top of your head? Oh, 50 plus, I Jeez, think. That's uh, incredible. Because if he started in... I haven't read 50 books. 74. <laughs> So, uh, uh, yeah, and uh, but he's yeah, obviously like the most popular and uh, most read author of his generation and of his time, and uh, it's like anything, anything that uh captures the imagination of the public like that, that size for that many years. You just got to give it props. That you dude gotta. knows how people's brains work and how to. Yeah. And, and then look at all these awesome movies he gave us too with his brain. And, and like so heavily interpreted all his work. So you get some that are fairly faithful, but so many of them are altered and changed. Yeah. And that, he seems, with the exception of The Shining, he seems to be pretty right on about all of them. Like understanding how somebody has to do their own thing. And he does that cool thing of like, you give me a dollar. If you're in college, you want to adapt my one of my movies to make a short. As long as you don't make money off it, well, just give me a dollar and you can adapt it, oh, which that's is nice. also cool. Wait, Pro so he, Shining's the only one he takes issue with? Arguably the best adaptation of any one of his works by a long shot? <laughs> Golly, yeah. Um, Hi. Hi, honey. Oh my God. Hey, Marty, can you name the Ninja Turtles again? Raphael. Oh, wait, that's a new one. Hey, Raphael. George Michael. <laughs> <laughs> and Michelangelo. Well, that's three. And um, how many are there? Four. <laughs> this is the film you worked on. I know, I'm Michael Bay's favorite writer. <laughs> <laughs> she knew the Ninja Turtles I'll inside bet. and out. <laughs> a power play um <laughs> she says that like she's negging the ninja turtles in the whole process and they all bought it that's so funny no um okay michelangelo I'll just remind you last time you said michelangelo john and da vinci da vinci was wrong though kind of um if it's not da vinci i don't know what if da vinci's half right vinci um D- david david no what is it i don't know do um, you at least know they're all like renaissance yeah. masters names yeah but that's not helping me well much. da vinci 
Da Vinci. Yeah. Wait, that's what I said. But what's the full name? Da Vinci Code. <laughs> <laughs> Leonardo. Yes. Uh, hey, Hi. if you and Leslie were here and got mics at me and were asking me oh, yeah. uh, about like a a designer, well, Ninja Turtles, I, I like, wouldn't be able to. The, name the it. analog would be like name the Sex in the City girls because I'd be like I don't know uh, Samantha, Carrie, Charlotte, one and, left. Yeah. Uh, uh, Winnie, Winif- Winifred, you're under arrest. I'm going to read you your rights. Rights. There's. That's right. It's Charlotte. <laughs> rights. Carrie and Miranda. Okay. Yeah. Miranda. Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, now name all the ingredients in a Cobb salad. Okay. Cobb and salad. <laughs> Done. Egg, bacon, lettuce, tomato. Mm, you're making me hungry. And Miranda's. No, I, I've um, uh, good helpy to Miranda's. I promise I will never remember the Ninja Turtles name. I don't ever. That's blame fine. You. As far as brain space, why yeah. should you devoted to yeah, any no. stuff? No, and you had the killer joke too about the jumbotron. It wasn't really a joke, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, honey. Bye, bye. No, uh, the corner of my eye the whole time I was getting to look at a little baby Glenn. Oh, which was the perk baby. of this whole uh, recording sesh. Just getting to look down at those beautiful eyes. That baby smile. Glenn named after one of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one of the greatest podcasts ever made. <laughs> yeah, much like we could compare it to other great ones, but yeah. clearly this is a great one. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. I, I no, never want to forget that. I, I think it was less of a Freudian slip and more just a yeah. slip. Will's dying. By the way, Will's back. Everything's cool. We're we're good. Oh, yeah. And he's a big Stephen King fan, so he's yeah. going to be uh, guiding us uh, through this, too. Yeah. He's read all the books. Yep. Um, oh, but yeah, so... Uh, uh, Oh right, right, right. He doesn't like the adaptation. I, 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 I think it's because the book is very personal to him, and so just why exactly do you? Because um, it's based on a, uh, a author with a drinking problem oh. and uh, who teaches at a school, which kind of pops up in Dead Zone here. He's a yeah. English teacher. That's right. Um, and the feelings he was having about being a father and stuff so Uh, i think he um and then probably the very fact that it is held in high esteem probably is salt to the wound yeah a little bit like this wouldn't have been as good if it hadn't been quote fixed yeah because i watched the tv movie yeah after i read the book and the tv movie is a faithful adaptation but that that was not great but it wasn't the source material's fault it was just yeah, it was I a really TV like movie. Yeah, I like McGarris as a director. I think he's awesome. Makes a lot of good like Stephen King adaptations and other things, other movies. But um, uh, yeah, it's just budgetary, and this isn't really anybody. But it's just it's sentimental. Like by the in the same yeah. way that the I remember the book being it, it is sentimental by the end. There's just so much. It's such a thin line between the kid they cast in the movie and the kid they cast in the TV show in terms of Cortland Mead. Yeah. Cortland Mead. That was a name that was just bandied about Uh, my friends and I in high school. It's like a a child actor who, well, 
just to no, very child actor. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. he's very much a TV child actor down to his haircut, which is very similar to the movie one. But there's yeah. something about that Tommy that it's you know I'm sure Kubrick and his casting and and what he gets out of them. As far as bowl cuts or whatever go, the late seventies versus the late nineties is it's crucial. Those twenty years. Yeah, the Dorothy Hamill versus the Joey Lawrence, <laughs> and what they stand for. I was a Um, Hamill generation. uh, But uh, uh, Leslie, having read so many and her discussing them with me, uh, it just sounds like I wish I read read a lot of his stuff because I think it'd be such a hoot to be able to have an author you love and you get a book or two per year or so. Just be really fun. I know. That would be nice. I wonder if I ever will read one. What one would I read? Maybe it's, The Shining. Shining's long. Yeah, I think Carrie is uh, the diary format, so it might even go oh, down quicker. Interesting. Uh, what was the... Um, oh, what was I just going to say? Uh, oh, which... Yeah, which one would you be interested in? Any hook you? Or are you like, I definitely hate killer dogs, so count me out for Cujo. Cujo could be fun. No, I don't hate killer dogs. <laughs> I'm on record loving killer dogs. Yeah, I bet if Margot, your cat, could write a novel, it'd be Cujo. Yeah. It'd be like, fuck this beast. I know. Margot looks like Church from Pet Cemetery, the new one. Yeah, that was the only um, Stephen King book uh Leslie didn't finish. Oh, because she just was, like, she was like it, it's really effective. Oh, I see. It oh, really, interesting. Whoa, it was dark. And I think she was pregnant with our daughter oh, at the time, yeah, and so yeah, it was yeah. just like, oof, this is heavy, yeah. heavy stuff. But there are times when we'll get up in the morning and Margot's sitting on, like, sitting up on her hind legs, like flopped down, but looks like a perfect <laughs> triangle, and she's just like. 20 feet away from us just staring at us like like she knew we were coming and it just Ugh. looks like church the cat on the road like <laughs> and we just always go church oh church Dude, how how often do you hear margo like hiss whenever a kid comes over she'll hiss ah! she doesn't like kids very much which bodes well for us <laughs> <laughs> no she'll you know she'll grow accustomed to the person yeah. who's yeah. under the roof the, the whole time yeah. but like what do you think it is she thinks another cat's coming in or a kid is shaped enough like a dog like, dogs are different enough but a kid is small enough that I think she probably feels a competition or doesn't understand <laughs> they're not humans like she knows adults as people that bring her treats but yeah. kids seem like in her space and a menace, you know? Yeah. And kids, it's difficult for kids to grasp the, uh, the way to approach a yes. kitty cat. Yeah. <laughs> Even different. a lot of adults do. It's a cat is approaching a cat is a very specific thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's an art. There is. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, the dead zone here. The dead so, zone. Um, so the, uh, the 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 first time I saw this, yeah. it was on oh, right. the ABC. Uh, oh no, I was I was just kicking it off. Uh, it was on the ABC Network Sunday Night Movie, movie of the Week, oh, Movie of the Week with Ernie Anderson doing the <sighs> yeah. yeah. And hearing his voice in and out of commercials was always very reassuring, especially when you're watching like a scary movie, yeah. because uh, uh, it like grounds you. Yeah, but um, ABC showed all of. Stephen King stuff. And it's so funny. Cause it's like, 
the most family oriented network still is and sunday night too yeah yeah and you know the, their programming is the most family centric with the idea of like parents can watch these movies with their kids so the fact that they have this whole other wing of i don't even know what it is because it's not even their own made for tv movies they show dead zone and like that's how I saw Stand By Me was on ABC. There's something Stand I, By Me I get, but Dead Zone. Yeah. Was it a viewer discretion is advised kind of thing? <laughs> viewer discretion is advised. Uh, can uh, you say Christopher Walken? <clears throat> Christopher Walken, Martin Sheen, David Cronenberg, Deborah Hill, Jerry Buomo. What's his name? <laughs> Fuck it. Jerry we'll do it live. Jeffrey Bohm. Jeffrey Bohm. <laughs> Dino De Laurentiis in The Dead Zone, written in actual Twilight Zone font, so you feel familiar. Uh, that's so funny you wrote that, because when I wrote, oh, I saw this on TV, it freaked me out. I remember the fire, I remember the going through the ice, and then I remember the whole final assassination thing, mm. and the kind of sci-fi fantasy bent to the suspense i'm sure you you're you've heard your parents i've heard my parents talk about oh i saw a twilight zone that yeah. blew their mind or really freaked them out and i thought oh i've watched twilight zones when i was a kid and i remember there was an outer limits about the girl getting switched by the doll mm. that i think gave me the first sensation of being like creeped out Ooh. it was like my first memory of like i'm not scared i just unsettled feel unsettled yeah. in a really in a way that i feel like i can't reassure myself from. right um but uh the dead zone was really um scary when i saw it oh and it made me think oh that's sort of my it's kind of an amped up 80s version but it is like the twilight zone thing it's like it gets put into your tv in your living room so it's telling you it's safe to watch right <laughs> but it kind of like freaks you out yeah and it somehow slips through the cracks where it gets in out of your tv into your brain i mean there's visuals in this that i see and i'm like yep that guy opening his mouth with the scissors oh yeah that was brutal i know what you're saying though because i you know i had that hard time with halloween but then i also remember when it would be on network television and i would think this is probably okay for me to watch but uh -huh. it still wasn't because they also don't even need to cut that much from Halloween in the first place. Right. It's all dread and music and the atmosphere uh, yeah. is yeah, what is scary. So it doesn't matter if something's edited for television. It's still yeah. almost as scary. Well, and I I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Somebody I read on a Friday thirteenth web board where they said their version they watched is it would freeze frame and zoom in on a nonviolent part. While the audio of the violent stuff was playing underneath, I'm like that is so far more disturbing than what? the actual. Was that a the network did that? Or something? Yeah, it was just their way of getting around. Like, not, oh we don't want to cut it and worry about that, so we'll just like <laughs> blow, freeze the image, zoom in on it while the audio oh continues God. to play, and then we catch back up. How weird! How bizarre! Huh? Oh, that's fascinating! How, how bizarre! How, how bizarre! Same way for my how um, bizarre. And uh, Harper's Bazaar. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, another just um, I will say in general, this isn't like I'm just laying it out on the table. My 
I like my favorite kind of horror is the like could happen in real life horror. Yeah. And I think Stephen King, he doesn't have one example. Uh, there, It's all paranormal or mystic horror. So um, that said, I like this stuff. It like is cool, but it doesn't, it's hard for me sometimes to get scared. Because I can yeah. easily, like, even The Shining doesn't really scare me because I go, like, I don't really believe in ghosts. The Shining scares me. Well, it scares me in the, like, what if my dad was trying to kill me or if I was trapped oh. in, with my family and I was trying to kill him. Uh, like, I yeah. think it's one of the few that actually does scare what, me what supernaturally, it? not just the Jack Nicholson oh. thing. It, it's so well done, that movie, that I, obviously, I don't believe it's real, but when I'm watching it, I feel the fear. I believe that in this movie, yeah. these ghosts are real and that That's you never cool. really see them. And it's also so not really fully explained. So just like yeah. if you were being really haunted, you wouldn't have a backstory. Right. You wouldn't have any exposition yes. about it really, yeah. unless you yeah. like found an ancestry book in your house or something, which yeah. often happens in movies. But this- Oh, and the, you know, when I saw the shine, it definitely, I mean, when I still watch it, it gets in yeah. my head and rattles me. It's just like, it's not fear, but that's awesome that it, I know, but I'm with you. you. We've yeah. talked about it many times. We yeah. both are more fearful of things that could really happen. Like Michael a slasher. escaping out of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's Driving only a, a car. A f- I'm trying to think of any other supernatural movie really that's done it for me. This movie didn't scare me. It probably would have as a kid, but it, it's so, the movie's so good at having a sense of dread and foreboding. Mm. And I, I like too, that there's not a, ton of second guessing his power in this it's definitely yeah it's just kind of taken as a given even within the people within the movie but also as a viewer you just give over to it that's the nice thing there's a shorthand to going to a stephen king movie you don't have to spend a lot of time explaining how supernatural is possible because you already know what you're in for supernatural that's the word i was looking for yeah yeah the um yeah it is a and Maybe uh, what it does is then it it means you see images that like freak you out rather than a story. Like, yeah, I I can't like be at a country house and be like, I might be live next to a pet cemetery where the animals come alive or something. But Fred Gwynn gets his achilles tendon cut open. And that's like in my brain for the rest of my life. Like the cutest kid ever. Oh, yeah, I mean... Boyd Haversham, what's his name? <laughs> and also a new nightmare. I mean, he was getting milked for every... Uh... What's that kid's name you just said from The Shining? Oh, uh, Cortland Co- Mead. Coben Hadland? Oh, Cortland Mead. <laughs> of the Mead Notebook Empire. I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then... Uh, should we... Cortland Mead. <laughs> Fred Gwynn. Uh, the um, and this is coming really at peak. The last thing before we get in the movie, the the uh, peak King adaptation. Peak King, yeah, right. Uh, this is like you had Carrie, then Shining, then I mean a slew of others. But like, this was the season for the ki- Kings and yeah, because same like year as Christine, Christine coming and out. Cujo. I remember this era. Yeah, so Christine and Cujo. There was playground talk about those because I don't think any of us had seen it, but you immediately knew a killer car, a killer dog, 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, that was the fun of talking with your friends about Stephen King books was like, it's the killer Blake. Yeah. It's yeah. The scary hotel. It's the, when was Firestarter? Oh, I just, since we've announced this too, I think the late, Mid to late nineties, that song came out. No, what? Paul, the prodigy song. No, you're oh, being clever. <laughs> uh, the did, Firestarter. Uh, we haven't even talked about the fact that there's a new Firestarter coming out. There is. Yeah. With who? Uh, who's? It's so. Oh, it's Zac Efron plays the dad. Zac Efron is playing fathers. Father Firestarter. <laughs> He's a, he's, this career is now, this movie is a father starter. (laughs) (laughs) This is the greatest podcast. I take take all that hedging back. (laughs) Listener, if you've made it this far, good on you. But also listen, look how it's like paid dividends. You've been rewarded here. (laughs) Um, Father starter. I love it. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. It feels good. I'm a wicked father starter. I am a father starter. I'm a real life father starter. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, So that Logo Loco, I have it associated with the Friday 13th movies, that that Paramount logo. Yeah, yeah. It's a good association I have with early 80s horror. I mean, talk about starting you off on the right 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 tone. It's like a little entreacte or overture of a symphony plays, but, you know, instead it's visual. (laughs) We're sitting down on our seats right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dino uh, is back. Yep. Um, uh, I think the first of many adaptations. Uh, oh, that title sequence, the I... slow reveal with the of the words with the pictures of snowy Northeast America. Yeah, it's like a collage. It's yeah, really interesting. People, uh, it seems. Uh, um, I remember the first time I watched Stranger Things and I saw that title screen. I was like, that's a Stephen King mm. thing. And then Dead Zone, I think, is maybe that and some other stuff. And that was Stephen King and with the Carpenter font. So it was a real melding of Wow. Of and you're right. You mentioned it in passing and I jumped on the other Twilight Zone stuff. But yeah, it does kind of have the Z, the Twilight Zone. Uh, this one, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, yeah. Some of the font, the, when it goes to the thin one later, I thought that was like blue. Mr. Mom has it. That kind of like Bloomingdale's classy oh, kind of yeah. thin font yes from that time period which i like love me too tootsie i think has it too oh yeah yeah uh, that's real good uh now a great score jeffrey bohm deborah hill oh oh with all this snow i thought david cronenberg or david snonenberg now this is what i'm saying you stuck around you got hit on the head with with father starter and then you didn't know dessert was being served is this the icing on the cake hey it's the sprinkle on the Isn't cupcake icing the best part wouldn't you be upset wouldn't you be upset if you just got cake without icing how can that be good um oh um no better casting than Christopher Walken yeah I uh I put him far under but i think it's my second favorite like under anthony perkins my favorite like male performance in a in a horror movie really he's really good yeah i like how it builds 
first he's kind of whispering the stuff. He's like, hey, so you know, blah, blah. and then by the end, he's like, the ice is going to break. Yeah. yeah. And then the, I forget her name, the actress, in mm-hmm. this, and she's in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. We got to cover that 70s one. Yeah, I watched that once and it blew my mind. So I'd love to revisit it. She does this thing with her eyes in that movie. Oh, do you know what I'm talking about? Where she like is able to jitter them from side to side like rapidly. It's a weird little thing she can do. Actors, but she does it like to to make her Donald Sutherland laugh. It's not like it's like a freaky thing. Does she bite down on her own knuckle and have them go back? (laughs) 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 No. Did you ever see the SNL? spoof of the dead zone where it's like the non-consequential they don't call it the dead zone it's like non-consequential psychic i'm forgetting i did yeah and i think i was like i think i know this is supposed to be the dead zone but i'd never seen the dead zone who's who's in it is it it's christopher Christopher walken Walken. it's so funny oh i might have to take that and they they perfectly time the like sound cue him touching somebody reacting like they make that perfect i'll try to remember to post that on the patreon Uh, the only one i'll i remember and i'll remember for the rest of my life when i first saw it because i think i saw a hand in hand with the dead zone around the time like one or the other but he just says uh uh uh, you're gonna get an ice cream but you're gonna eat it too fast and get an ice cream headache (laughs) he's warning somebody that they might get an ice cream headache (laughs) Very, very funny. Uh, uh, so now it starts with he's he's in class. Yeah, he's teaching, man. Do you think they gave him a Stephen King haircut? I think they gave him this haircut so that they could differentiate it from his kind of more standard Christopher Walken, mm-hmm. which we should, it's worth talking about Walken's hair. Yes. So this is tamed down so that they can get to him later after he's had his powers and is a little more like almost mad scientist-y. <laughs> Yeah. But, but there is something about Christopher Walken. I don't know if it's a choice of the way he combs it or it's just, the, it seems more to me the way his hair goes is that it shoots it, up. Well, it shoots up, which makes sense for the top, but the, it shoots up <laughs> on the side in a point where it sh- should still be going to the side. Like it shoots up high. Does the, yeah, do the sides, I'm trying to remember, shoot out or they shoot They up. shoot out and up. <laughs> What I'm saying is like, so imagine the center of the top of your head. Uh It's no, it's no crazy leap to imagine your hair sticking straight up there. And then as you move to the side, it still could stand up straight Uh like a flat top. You know, it'd probably start to fan out a little bit more, but there's a point where his hair is still sticking up. More Don King. Yeah. Yeah. Except that his hair is still sticking up by the time you've moved over beyond his head, like it's cantilevered. (laughs) I don't understand it. It's like, do you think there's a mechanism inside? No, I think he's just got a weird, like symmetrical cowlick of some kind that contributes to part of what's so weird about him. And, and the older he gets, the more apparent it is too, for some reason. I think, yeah, now it's really like, um, embraced. Now it reaches like, uh, um, uh, Dracula proportions. Yeah. It looks like he's wearing a wig that's too big. A wig too big, a bridge too far. <laughs> the prequel to a bridge too far. A, wig, a wig too, too big. big. Star studded ABC Sunday Night Movie. A wig too big. Christopher Walken, <laughs> Cortland Meadlin, Joey Lawrence, and Dorothy Hamill. <laughs> Captain and Tennille, but just Tennille. 
<laughs> the good, good captain. Uh, you know, I, I, I've stayed in his cabin. Captain's cabin? Daryl Dragon, the captain. And not because I know him, but because it's available on Airbnb and we just rented a cabin and it was called the Dragon Cabin. And when then we when we looked oh, at the totally- described described it like the descriptions like this used to be owned by Daryl Dragon of Captain and Daniel, <laughs> and it was embraced right. They yeah, they are, I mean, wouldn't you? Without a doubt, yeah. Also, the ring of the sound of Dragon Cabin It's just so <laughs> sonorous. You know? I am uh, uh, echoic. I might even say. I heard somebody earlier on a podcast misuse. Since a song was iconic, I was like, oh, uh, oh, friend, you got to listen to. I believe that goes all the way back to In Voorhees We Trust, right? Yeah. Oh, I've been a nerd since far back then. What? Oh, I've been a nerd <laughs> from birth, actually. Uh, nerd from birth, wig too big and a bridge too far. The ABC triple feature. Nerd from birth. Uh, I watched a really good TV movie with Judith Light and um, uh, who's. From Roseanne and Big Bang Theory, he's a really, he was a child actor, he's great. DJ? Uh, no, Dave, he played David. Gadecki? Jonathan. From Jonathan Gorecki? Jonathan Galecki. Galecki, from Christmas Vacation. Yeah, but yeah. it was a really, and and uh, uh, the dad from Dirty Dancing, he was in Law and Order and stuff. Uh, mm, Jerry Orbach. Jerry Orbach, thanks buddy, you helped me out there. Uh, people should... Check it out. What's what's it about? What's it called? You're not going to give us anything <laughs> else. There's just Judith. You're selling this on Judith Light. What an insane <laughs> recommendation. Here's the thing. It kept me guessing to the very end. Well, I maybe you shouldn't say anything more. We should just like if you if we're curious, if you're really we got to do the work. Um. Oh, I'll find it. Um. Will's googling it because I think it was an ABC movie of the week. So it does tie in okay. with, uh, with what we're discussing. Is it like a true crime story or something? So what it is, is if in Fatal Attraction, yeah. Uh, what if... Um, the rabbit's side of the story? Yeah. The Rosham. The Rosagrants and Gilded Stern yeah. for the rabbit's Just point ends of view. with him being boiled. Uh, um, what if Glenn Close was showed up dead and all fingers point to Michael Douglas and his wife believes him that he didn't murder. Oh, and she's a lawyer and represents him in court. Oh, this is, yeah. Kind of presumed innocent too. Almost. Oh, that's what it is because it came out the same year as presumed innocent. So oh, everyone, still, it was just their version of that. Oh, I would like to see, but that. it's good. You watch it in the whole time. I think what it gets at is kind of like when you're, in a relationship and uh it, i mean it's a big version of can you trust the person oh and yeah stuff. uh um sort of like gone girl or something right but um uh and the title of it is my friend my friend uh my friend my friend it goes by murder at my door oh. but i remember it um as star wars it, it's one of those tv movies that has a different title Oh, vamp. Um, the ABC Sunday morning movie, Moses and the Three Bears. That's all the vamp I have. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. It's worth it. Uh, it is worth it. Take and, your uh, time. Uh, Take your time. People want to get a, a nice Pepsi. 
Um, we get in defense of a married man. How oh, that's I a good title. title like that. Good title. Um, check it out. Uh, it's probably on um, Criterion. <laughs> um, so uh, we see him as a teacher. Two teachers walking down a hallway dating. Did you have that in your school, Gorley? Any rumors about two teachers? Dating? Yeah, yeah. I believe there were two older lesbian teachers that were a couple and that was well known but as you can imagine this was the late 80s early 90s and it wasn't talked about as if it was like oh look how progressive we've gotten there was just a lot of butt of a lot of jokes mm. yeah but it, it wasn't like this yeah there's so much ADR in their discussion in the school and then when they kiss each other this begs the question <laughs> Did they have to do the ADR kissing sounds? Because there's noises when they kiss. There's like, mm, 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 mm. and I noticed the ADR. I did hear the kissing, but yeah. I, I like to imagine it was them? David Cronenberg in the ADR. Uh, so it should be like, uh, you can kiss me. <laughs> we need the kiss sounds. But I'm a Dino De Laurentiis. Okay. So the actors refuse. So it's Dino De Laurentiis and David Cronenberg <laughs> kissing each other to get the sounds. And they're all like, oh, God, what a, they came with such a manufactured ruse in order to kiss each other. <laughs> it's a for ADR. <laughs> we may Sorry, we it is for ADR. You greenlight this whole movie just so you guys can kiss. <laughs> to do ADR. What a convoluted. <laughs> uh, it's not enough to kiss. I want people to watch it and I want it to be recorded and I want it to have a life live on on screen. Oh, if only a Matt and a Paul would discuss it. Uh, hey, speaking of Cronenberg, I forgot to tell you, we went to the snow and put Glenn in a red head to toe snowsuit and she looked like, other than the face, she looked like one of those creatures on the brood. Outside of the face looks like the brood. Yeah, and this is our third Cronenberg, right? Because we had the brood and then uh, Scanners and this. And there are brood elements in those, like yeah. the snowsuits and the yeah. snow. Yep. Um, uh, the, um, uh, I do love their romance. I believe it. I feel like they are really sweet yeah. and passionate. Yeah. Everything's they're kissing believable. in the rain. Yeah. Um, I do question his taste of a date going on a roller coaster in the dead of winter. The, also, the way that this is set up, I wrote down the dialogue and then the, the smash cut. Where are we going? He says, it's a surprise. Smash cut. They're on a roller coaster. You don't get any sense. It just feels like, like surprise, I own a roller coaster and or I bought you a roller coaster. <laughs> they I were going <laughs> to tear down this amusement park, but I bought it. <laughs> I, oh, I used okay. all of our wedding money on it, <laughs> and I have to maintain it. Yes, I mean it's. I'm not gonna. It's a. I'm not gonna take care of it for you. It wasn't. It wasn't this enough that I bought me it for a you. pet. Yeah, on the upkeep of this. I don't know anything about maintaining a roller coaster. Well, you get to. Well, you, you get, get to, to learn. learn. I don't do Christopher Walken. Mostly, I'm principal. <laughs> <laughs> Just out of self respect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then um, Hi. he hits that truck. I think trucks are going to be a big running theme with these Stephen King movies. I know Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, uh, Christine. Christine. Oh, even if it's not trucks, uh, maybe just vehicles. Uh, yeah, there's a vehicle, a pretty fantastic vehicle in Running Man, and that's an Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle. Oh, you're not kidding, hey. my friend. Oh, <laughs> boy, this. <laughs> Come on. How many other great podcasts do you listen to? <laughs> uh, so, holy 
Cripes, like I said, that's under 11 minutes. This guy is in a coma. What in this movie's moving at such a clip? Oh, yeah. Oh, then yeah. we're at the Wyzak, the Wyzass clinic. Dr. Creepo, Dr. Sam, yeah. And and it's he he's ends he's up a being creepo. nice, but his intro is just like he wakes up and he's just hovering over him, <clears throat> sitting down and hovering over him. What yeah. was he doing? I thought about it outside of just I could never be a doctor, mainly because I my brain is stupid. <laughs> but uh, I could even if I was brilliant and got through medical school school straight A's, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to deliver. Bad no, news. No, forget it. No, why would anybody want to do that? I could. That would uh, be such a shit. I, I go through seven years of high school, of medical school, and then you're like, oh shit, I didn't think about how I was going to have to break news to people. I have a friend whose job is to go to families in hospital hallways that have either just found out that their loved one isn't going to make it and talk to them about organ donation. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I'm sure those people aren't containers for people's feelings at that moment. Oh my God. How dare you ask for an organ in this moment? Right. Yeah, Probably. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. But because they need it to often be, but they're also, the it has to happen the before the death. Uh, so, oh. so that the organ is, you know, fresh, I guess. But yeah, the, the, I, I wouldn't want to be in the position of having to tell a guy you were in a coma and he leaves it to the mom to, to blow it. Yeah. I would tell him right before he wakes up. Oh, so that you could later say it was a dream. Yeah. And hey, buddy, I told you. Yeah. That mom. Oh, man. She's really something too. Yeah. Five years in a coma. Was that what it was? Uh, I wrote it down. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah five years. Um, yeah. This movie, I know they remade it as a series, but I could see this getting a pretty good remake. Oh, yeah. 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 And it does make sense as a. TV series of like, yeah, this kind of plays out as one like episode. Three yeah, story, it sure yeah. does. You're like vignette kind of episodic, yeah. not in a bad way, no, in a cool way. Listen, we are happy with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, um, uh, yeah, they did make a Anthony TV Michael version Hall. with Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, what was I going to say? Oh, oh, the five years thing. Um, do you think it's he went into the coma in 78 and he's coming out in 83 oh, or do you think it's 83 question. and he's coming out in 88? I think it's 88 because it also leaves room for the politician to kind of be well a said. real politician that we don't know yet. Yep. Yeah. 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 And well, cause they're also jumping forward in the vision cause uh, we can talk about it later, but I just am in love with the Atari plastic type of nuclear football thing i could watch the whole movie just to get to that atari plastic nuclear football scene like the fact that a nuclear football is made out of just shitty molded plastic that could break as easily as an atari that yeah to get the nuke to launch you have to blow into a cartridge piece (laughs) (laughs) and then turn it on and off a bunch of times and it's just hooked up Hooked up to the missile reactor by a UHF connector. Just hold on. My brother's coming back from work soon. He knows how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And it overheats. He's like, yeah, when the brother goes, what'd you guys do? Fucking wrong with it. God, I love that scene. Uh, The, uh, uh, oh, oh, and and the fact that uh, he is using it for good. It's either to warn people or to like, 
Yeah. Tell the doctor your mom's still alive. Like, um, that does lend itself to like a quantum leap sort of thing. Yes. Like he's using yeah. his powers to help, which is also just a cool notion. I notice. I love exactly like you said, they don't offer an explanation for why it's happening. The only kind of questions they ask are good ones, which is kind of like, he says something like, it's not even questions. It's just like observations where it'll be like, you either have a new power or a very ancient one. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and like that's the, very Stephen King. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, yeah, the, uh, the fact that um, it's kind of multivaried, it's not just seen into people's future. It's also knowing like what went on in their life. Uh, this, this, that's, cool. that's so true. This, let me f- figure out my thought in my head. Okay. Say what you just said. Uh, the fact that, uh, uh, oh yeah, that they it's don't multivaried explain because you, oh, well, you don't, but you it. wouldn't, they couldn't explain it in real life. So what, yeah, what, but I, think, oh, and it becomes a question about, um, faith it's sort of like yeah. why do you have this power the mom thinks right you were in a trance the doctor's like no you were in a coma um but i think what we're dealing with here is a perfect example and i wish we'd see this more of a master filmmaker working under a hack where <laughs> the filmmaker knows what they're doing and i think the hack is just like i throw the money you do the thing and so yeah. this movie is like a great example of one that's not beholden to studio notes. The structure of the three little vignettes yeah. is weird and odd for a movie. I think movies right. Dino st- De Laurentiis is the one who's like allowing that. Yeah, that all he yeah, yeah he wants just, is he makes the movie and then he goes and sells it and has a yeah. deal with the studio. But to, studio execs, studio. otherwise, it feels like they'd be going. We need an explanation. Yeah. Is it an ancient curse? Is it? Does he hit a talisman? What is this? Yeah. And then True. the other thing that is so interesting watching this and today's time we talked about it a minute ago but christopher walken is just straight up a good guy in this and the whole time i keep thinking like there's going to be a turn because he's often plays someone so sinister Mm -hmm. so that added an element of richness that was probably there a little bit just because he is a like slightly odd guy but now really plays well yeah to see him be good that's true it's different than if you saw um William Hurt be good because yeah you're like oh a guy who looks like a naturally innate good man good decent man is being a good decent man but seeing Christopher Walken be uh, that's so great about Cronenberg is he often casts left of center people that feel more real or odd or quirky and you know we talk about how like a lot of Carpenter stuff is kind of right place right time it's Mm -hmm. he's so great and all that stuff but he doesn't have feel like he has full capacity mm-hmm. and agency over his stuff. And then Spielberg who does, but Cronenberg's right in the middle for me where he's still, there's yeah. still an element of lightning in the bottle with him, but he's, yeah. he does seem like an amazing technician. Yeah, but yeah, with yeah. just, I don't know if it's like the fact that he wasn't born and raised in America. So he wasn't like steeped in all this onslaught of popular culture in the American dream that makes him, well, it's recognizable, movies, yeah, but funded by the Canadian government where yeah. he's not having to get notes. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's so cool. You can just, his movies are liberated by, in the same way that yeah. people who got to make movies for Roger Corman are where you're not yeah. like, but they're so wonderfully odd for that reason yeah. where you just, you aren't getting a full, I'm never fully satisfied by Cronenberg films because yeah. I realize they're lacking a bit of the formula, but that <laughs> means I am satisfied by yeah. that way, you know? Yeah, I think the Dead Zone might be my favorite of his. Close with the Brood being close second, and maybe it's 
tops it just because it's the one I most like. I really feel the feelings that the I characters so are too, going through. Yeah. I actually feel like this might be a tough one to beat for this King Fling. That's yeah, it's true. I mean, I'm looking it's pretty perfect. I'm movie. looking just like initial the mist. I remember really liking now the running man. I love cause it's so fun, but it's yeah. not a better movie. I'll admit this now. I'm, I'm a tough sell on Carrie. So I'm interested to go back. I was to just, Carrie. the words out of my mouth were about to say it's, it's in competition with Carrie and misery. Misery. Yeah. yeah. Misery. Yeah. Misery might be tough to beat. misery in its own way. A perfect movie. Yes. Yeah. You know what? It's not in competition with though. A bathroom break. <laughs> We won't even like that's it. We'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) Unless this is the best bathroom break of all time, it might be. With and rest. With and rest. Um. So, um. Matt, when he wakes up from the coma and he finds out that uh, 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 she's she, the love of his life is is married, yeah, that's like the worst version of she's moved on and is with somebody else. I think, yeah, that's there's insane. nothing more punishing than that because it's worse than death. That it's worse than her dying because then he could at least like he's lost her either way he's lost her but right. that way he could go she died and we were in love she still loves me yeah he feels exactly the same a day hasn't been lost and she's loved someone else oh. obviously she still likes him but yeah I mean that's know. evident because they had sex in the daytime while her child was in the other room and then made reference to it later when over dinner with his father. She also lost some element of prudent judgment in the five years. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Her husband, he's a Stilson supporter. I know, so but you, so is she. Yeah, but I feel like once she gets into the voting booth, she doesn't vote for Really? Stilson. I think he dodged a bullet and that bullet being a Stilson supporting child in the next room while having sex lady well if you want to dodge a bullet you just hold up a baby (laughs) (laughs) nobody will shoot you that's the the smart thing to do um i uh did uh my uh uh my freshman year of college i came back and found out the girl i loved in high school was engaged and um my friend I called up her mom to ask her if I could get her number to talk to her. And to talk her out of it? I think that to was test, what it Just my, to test the waters. And if that isn't already sad, uh, the fact that the I had to hear the mom go, no, I'm not going to give you her. And this was somebody who oh, like, wow. I she loved me. We were like, it was a, a happy time. But, it, but were you in love with her that whole time? Or was it just hearing that she was engaged? She broke up with me. Oh, I was yeah. heartbroken. Yeah. I moved on. But then hearing that and then uh, uh, now it's, uh, <laughs> of course, any high school romance breaking. It's meant to be that it breaks up. Yeah, but does she know on. you're on the greatest podcast of all time? <laughs> She's got to be eating crow now. <laughs> no, we are we are on friendly terms okay. now. But uh, 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 and uh, 
there's no ill will help, no. but like in reflection, when I look back on it, I'm like, that is so sad. You can't, are you 19 year old? How old were you? 19? 18. 18. Yeah, so like that I voice mean, quavering. On. That's what you do. Were you do. crying at the time? Oh, I'm asked? sure my voice was shaking because oh, I was upset that it happened oh, and nervous to ask for the number. And then she did what a mother's supposed to do, which is be like yeah. protecting her daughter from like yeah. uh, an ex-boyfriend who's kind of going. Oh, yeah. That's really very sweet. Well, actually. how how would I handle it if I woke up from a five-year coma? I mean, I haven't seen while you were sleeping, but I'm assuming that this tackles that very thing. I think in the while you were sleeping, the guy who goes in coma comes out having dead zone powers. Yeah, it must be. That, this is the last 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Uh, so uh, 16 minutes in, ooh, we get the first vision and it's a doozy. Kid's bedroom on fire. How about that, huh? Yeah. That water boiling in the fishbowl. Yeah. The way those like plastic toys just melt. It looks uh, like the, the kid from The Brood somehow too. I don't yes, know. Yes, it, it does. It is, but. Little the Carol Ann, then yeah, uh, the Carol Ann trope. Of <laughs> all horror movies had a little village of the damned girl, and then uh, seeing Christopher Walken in that bed, yeah, and the fire surrounding him and stuff. It's wild, yeah. Um, then, um, uh, then he sees the vision of the doctor, his past, um, and he says. He's not going to contact his mom. The doctor knows his mom is still alive, but he's not going to contact her because it isn't the natural way. And this is another cool thing that the movie doesn't explain, but I feel like there's a thing in this that's like anytime he does use the power, um, something bad happens. Like his mom dies or uh. he has to walk with a cane afterwards. It's almost like – and then the – him saying, I don't want to tell my mom because it's not the natural order. It's sort of like you can disrupt the natural order, but if you do, there is like a a price to pay. Yeah, like a, a ancient Greek kind of tragic. Yeah, term. but the fact that it's not ever said yeah. is, is cool. That's yeah, that's what's nice about this movie is you just it's not spelled out for you. Yeah. Well, uh, answer me this. So then the next thing we go on is to the Castle Rock killer. So what is the, yeah. the Stephen King Castle Rock connection? Because there's his whole Castle Rock series too. Right. So from what I know as a, just a passing fan is that it, a lot of his stories are based in Castle Rock. I think Needful Things was maybe the last one. It was sort of like uh, now get the name gets mentioned. But it's funny because Rob Reiner, since he made Stand By Me – and uh, misery, he named his company in the mid to late eighties Castle Rock. That's what I think of. Yeah. Um, so when I heard the Castle Rock killer, I thought <laughs> George right. and Elaine, look out, because <laughs> Castle Rock produces uh, Seinfeld well, episodes. Rob Reiner's clearly got to be the Castle Rock killer. Oh my god! <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> Imagine. Rob Ryder, like a spooky cloud mask, <laughs> chasing somebody with a chainsaw. Uh, um, now, uh, yeah, now he has a new haircut. Yeah, I love the Cronenberg touch of like he's got like cracked, gross lips yeah. and stuff. Always get some body, get some horror. gross body shit in there. Yeah. Um, uh, this. Oh, uh, I love the press conference where he does the demonstration for the disbeliever. Um, 
the the guy who's kind of like the skeptic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I loved that. Now, I like how the guy goes, now who are you going to vote for? Uh, uh, so you'll tell us with your powers, is Stilson going to win or not? It made me think of... Because he's asking just for a very like timely question. If like somebody came out of a coma in like 2007, oh I was God. like, "What is Paris Hilton gonna do next?" Uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, come on. But imagine going into a coma in like, let's say 2013, and you wake up in 2018 in the middle of a Trump presidency. So back then he's not even in politics. Yeah, he's like, just put me on, back in the chrome. I please. mean, give it. That would be weird. I think you'd wake up and you'd think you were still in a coma. You'd be like, I'm in the dream world. Yeah, or something. This is, there's no way this is real. I mean, glitch. should we talk about it? There's very, the parallels. I mean, obviously when the still something dead zones being made, the comparison in is Hitler in their mind. Like he, the way he talks and gives fiery public speeches, they're making in the movie, him look like a Hitler figure. And, um, but just the, um, the guy who's conning, um, uh, the people who are his base, uh, with sort of racist, uh, red meat yeah. rhetoric. That's, all in the dead zone and yeah. these times, right? Yeah, and I, I sometimes like to think of this is not the intention of the movie, but like flip the perspective of it that this movie could be about a Lee Harvey Oswald who's so self-delusional that he thinks he has powers and that people believe he has powers and that's why he has to kill someone because you take someone like a Sirhan Sirhan or someone that did things because they thought they had to because they were insane and yeah. it would seem no different to the person doing it. Yeah. Like, I mean, that that's partly... Uh, there could have been a twist. What I loved this about movie, this movie yeah. was that um, I was like, ooh, I'm getting to see an assassin do... Uh, uh, he's getting mission, what do you, mission, mission prep? prep, yeah. And I don't yeah. feel bad about it. Right. And it made me think of Valkyrie. I was oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. there is something really satisfying about in, in Glorious Bastards about like an assassination of somebody you want yes. to die. You get that itch scratched of yeah. like procedure in order to have somebody bad die. It's interesting with Stilson though, because I feel like in the reality of the dead zone, he would be the guy, Lee Harvey kills Kennedy. It's like, ah oh, man, that was the president who stood for peace and you're killing a, uh, with Stilson, there'd be a complication. I think in the culture where it's like, it's like the person who shot, um, Reagan, uh, or George McGovern, uh, no, not George McGovern. George Wallace. Oh, George Wallace. Yeah. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, that person was spewing hateful rhetoric, not at all saying they had what was coming to them. Yeah. It was just sort of like they were trafficking in kind of dangerous waters. Right. Uh, it was maybe going to end up getting somebody angry. But but that's um, that. And I, this is not me defending him. And that would be what the opponents of Kennedy would have said about him you know yeah yeah yeah, so yeah it's it it is like yeah. a a weird version of a psychopath seeing their perspective of how a movie definitely well in the um it's just like how you can watch meatballs and see that it's an absolute <laughs> narcissist sociopath 
<laughs> who's conned grooming. a bunch of people younger. Yeah, grooming and conning people younger than him because he can't hang out with his own parents. <laughs> uh, when you mentioned the Lee Harvey Oswald, that did remind me. I read a quarter, uh, speaking of Stephen King books that I read part of. It was 11-22-1963. Oh, I watched that miniseries. Uh, and that notion in there about the fate is going to find a way to actually get things back to how they should be is like also in the, yeah in that movie. Right. And it is the same kind of thing. You're wanting to see him kill somebody because you want the out that outcome. But yeah, the way that this outcome happened the way that Christopher Walken wanted, but not the way that he wanted kind of goes in line with what you're saying about, it's kind of like a Cassandra in Greek myth of be mm. careful. You'll, I'll give you what you want, but it's not going to happen the way you think, you know? Yeah, because ultimately he gets the thing he wants. Stilson isn't going to be president and the world isn't going to have a nuclear fallout or yeah. blow up or something, but he's going to die and he's not going to get to live his life with his uh, um, uh, betrothed. Yeah. Um, and it is like a powerful ending because you're I loved bittersweet. I love the ending because it was it's one of those perfect endings that satisfies you because it gives you what you want, but not in the way you expected yeah, it to get to. Well said. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the best. It's what, uh, it's funny. I remember a re interview with John Levenstein. Uh, he's a really funny comedy writer and, um, and he, uh, was saying people, audience seem, audiences seem to get really upset when something they didn't think was going to happen happens. Mm. And he said, for me, he's like, that's the thing I most want mm -hmm. is for something unexpected to happen. There's an art to it. Uh, yeah. Well, know. and I will yeah. say I'm not, this has probably been as old as entertainment itself, the audience trying to guess and then talking about what their expectations were. But I do feel a little bit like with everybody becoming a little bit of a, their own personal writer, pundit, yeah. critic, they have something to fight for in what their guess of what things were going to be. So when it doesn't go what they expected, they can't accept it as the gift it is. I think you're so right. Like they're, <laughs> they seem somehow like entitled to a piece of the pie. And when their voice wasn't heard, even their though egos wrapped up in completely a passive and after the fact participant. Yeah. yeah but uh, Mad Men is what I love. I mean, one thing, the thing I loved about it was, you'd be surprised where it went, but you'd play it in your head. And it was exactly what you said, much better and shorter, which is like, you'd be surprised, but you go, oh, of course it ended up that way. Yeah. True. To, first season of True Detective was that way for me too. It it ended the way I wanted, but not the way I imagined. Yeah. And I liked that it took me the way it wanted to go. Because mm -hmm. yeah. it did so much work to get me hooked that I wanted to go hundred percent where it wanted to go, not where I wanted it to go. That's how much yeah. I loved that first yeah, season. Yeah, that's awesome. That's interesting you um were saying that because I know he's a complicated figure, Brett Easton Ellis, but I have been like listening to him because he culturally he'll he'll um not the cancel culture bullshit stuff, whatever. Yeah. That's so dumb to be wasting your time talking about it but the way he talks about movies and stuff is really interesting and uh, tv shows and books and stuff and music and he said uh uh there's something now when you go to the movies you're submitting yourself for two hours or more or a little less and that's like a new thing now like it, it was before obviously you can't hold a conversation with a friend who's not in the theater before but like it just made me open my eyes of like, oh, that 
out, I knew communal, the charge I get when I'm with a stranger, a group of strangers, and we're all having a feeling. I mm. know that was a missing, but I was like, that also is when I watch something at TV at home. Yeah. Even if I you never pick like, up my phone and right. never go to the bathroom and never You're pause it, I it. always have that in my mind I know, if I want too. to. Yeah. And that makes me have power and control over the thing that's supposed to yeah, have power oh, and control and over it's me. It's like you're only doing yourself a disservice. And I'm not saying that because I do that. And just oh, the me past too, yeah. two nights, I got, because I've had so much screen time lately for some reason yeah. for various things. And at night, I just, at like seven o'clock, we put Glenn to bed and I, I just plug my phone in in the kitchen and don't touch it till the next morning. And even Amanda goes to bed so early right now. And I, yeah. I go to bed fairly early, but I have some time and I just put on a Marx Brothers movie. And it's one thing to yeah. like turn my phone and throw it across the couch, but I still know it's there. Even though I still know it's in the kitchen, it's it far helps. enough away where yeah. I could just like watch the movie. And that yeah. is so rare now. And it's like, that's awesome. I did that with the dead zone too. Yeah. 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 It was so enjoyable. Lately, my phone, because it's dead near the end of the day, is the I dead have zone. to plug it in across the room anyway. And that, that in the dead help. zone. Yeah. <laughs> it is funny how this is one of those titles that doesn't, isn't exactly. No, what it's the another thing, is. thing. Yeah, it's another yeah, it's thing. Like it's minority like... Report. Well, oh, that's yeah. not really because you don't even know what that is. It's just a thing you find out later. What is it? Is it's it more, the, it's the one it's similar in that it's like the thing you find out like a half hour left, what the title means. Okay. But, uh, minor report is, yeah. Like when the, somebody, the, the judgment is in and it's less than the majority that yeah. you know that there's been a disruption, but right. <laughs> dead zone is like, yeah, it's not that the power of premonition, it's what falls in after he's had the act and changed it what that kind of timeline could have been is yeah. now in the dead zone. Right. Is that right? Uh, I'm not sure, but I'm not sure. But it ain't what I usually think it is, which is he can see into the future. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, uh, uh, then after, uh, he's out of the hospital, has the interview, Scarrett enters the scene. We love our Scarrett. God, don't Tommy, we. Tommy, yes. Um, this I think I realized I like so much because like when he said Castle Rock Killer, I watched this movie like three years ago and it kind of drifted my mind. I was like, oh, fuck, yes. Castle Rock Killer. I love this. I love that it's in this movie. And what I like about it is it is the paranormal with just like the real true crime stuff. Yeah. It's so dope. I I would say I'm slightly disappointed that the whole movie isn't about the chase for the Castle Rock Killer because I mm -hmm. was so in on that. Also, you, you kind of lose Tom Skerritt as soon as this part's wrapped up. Oh, yeah. But I do, I do like the other pieces. I just, I feel like I could just, just give me three dead zone movies where one's yeah. about each and I would I be mean, super happy. I mean, that gazebo attack thing oh. where he's there is really outstanding. It's And uh, I, I kind of had a sense even that, is his name Dodd, the deputy? I forget. Or Dodd. Ooh, that's good. You sense that he was something. Yeah. I, I, there's something up and I'm, I, that's the thing I hate about myself is the, somehow there's like subconscious need to just start trying to figure out the plot rather than just let it take you. No, along but I think that's like, dope. um, uh, that, uh, shout out to Jeffrey Bohm, that level of like economy of like, 
you know it's going to be a cheat if it's just a guy out of nowhere who's dipshit nobody you've never met. He's yeah. the killer. So you have to have it be somebody. I was yeah. just like, maybe that's in the book too. But yeah. I just like, uh, probably is. But just like, oh, he got introduced movies. in a way that's creepy enough. But yeah. yeah. What were we going to say? It was just the screen movies got so adept at, yeah. at double red herrings. and <laughs> Yeah. like Yeah. I love how in Scream 4 we were like, Mary McDonald's cast to yeah. throw you off of the, um, yeah. what was it? The, um, the Metcalf, the, Lord, the Metcalf. Oh yeah. What do we call it? The, the red Metcalf. <laughs> Probably something so, like that. Something really funny like that. <laughs> um, now, uh, when he's talking about how, Oh, I did think it was funny when the when Scarrett asked him, Hey, you have this power. You could use it. We've talked before about the refusal of the call. He says no, and then so it's more dramatic when he comes and says it. I was thinking how it would be funny if he was just like, yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, how sure. much? <laughs> Maybe. It's just a pure <laughs> exploiting. Oh, I watched Nightmare Alley the past couple of nights. Oh. We have to watch movies in small installments, so it took three nights, but... Um, it's very similar as if a, did you watch it? I haven't seen it, but uh, Neil Campbell, whose taste I trust, he loved it. I liked it a lot too. Yeah, yeah it's, I think it's gotten a certain amount of mixed reviews, but I really liked it. Yeah, it was sort of in the avenue of like, hey, if you dig whatever somebody's like uh, uh, indulging in, the indulgence is fine. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that's cool. You and liked it's, it. It's super great to look at i mean just yeah. visually but it's it's kind of a uh, i'll just i won't say anything other than it's it could be like a spiritual or almost more a platonic sister movie to this in a way it's oh cool it's just a about the kind of second sight and using it for people who need it and you know and oh, neat. a and, little companion to yeah 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 um the uh um Oh, that, that scene um, after the cop leaves, it ends with him telling the dad um, he thinks there should be snow for Christmas. He goes, I think there should be snow for Christmas. He's looking out the window. I was thinking, wouldn't it be fun if the rest of the movie was him becoming a weatherman? <laughs> like he just uses his powers to let people know the three-day forecast. He, but he has to touch like dying twigs. He goes out and touches a tree. He's like, yeah. oh, okay. Hill Springs. Chance of flurries. Springs coming early this year. Hey, that's a great, come on. Oh, sorry. I was having a stroke. <laughs> uh, now, when you do Walken, is it Jay Morris, Christopher Walken? Uh, or is it Kevin Pollock's Christopher uh, Walken? I, you know, I try to do a bit of each so you can't pin me down. <laughs> So you're like, this guy's got his own thing, but what I'm doing is stealing from both. Yeah, so you bounce back between the more yeah. and the Pollock. Yeah. Smart. Uh, more Pollock. Hey. <laughs> more Pollock. That was what the uh, art gallery odor said. <laughs> uh, after they had such a sale. Uh, now, the, um, the ex visits, and they... We mentioned this earlier, referenced it. Um, he says, I didn't know you were coming. Otherwise, I would have tidied up. It's like, I was thinking, like, what if he used his psychic powers for tidiness? Like, somebody's coming uh, over. Better uh, <laughs> vacuum the rug. Oh, no, you're having a stroke. This is not Christopher Walken up there. <laughs> uh, uh, now, uh, 
yeah, we don't have to get into the morality of it, but if you're going to cheat on your husband, don't have the baby sleeping in the other room. That's I just, think distasteful. that's fair to say. I was thinking we haven't even met her husband. I was like, how would he feel about this? Yeah, that's a hard. That not would be a, good. A, oh, a you mean the child to... part, or just the affair in general? The affair plus the child part yeah. would just be bummer. Honey, bummer. I want you to know I slept with that guy. Okay, wait. There's more. I specifically brought Junior over so he could sleep in the next room while I did it. Oh, he was asleep. Yeah. Okay. Well, then yeah. that's fine. I okay. Get... So you, you didn't get a sitter. No. Smart. Frugal. <laughs> I like it. I, you are forgiven. <laughs> uh, and then making the little innuendo joke with the dad being like, we were <laughs> making bookcases. Oh, yeah. Distasteful. Yeah. Don't make references to Whoopi <sighs> from the pop. Uh, um, now they agree to not be together, so it's tragic. Their their romance. He seems reluctant in this agreement, but okay. <laughs> uh, when she leaves, um, he turns on the TV, and there's a scene of him seeing Tom Skerritt on TV talking about the killer. So you yeah. go, okay, he's going. Yeah. If I can't find love, I'll if help I can't the. Have wo- you to the dead zone, baby. <laughs> if I can't have you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, but I was thinking of what if he turned on the TV and so far this movie's been so economical if he turned on the TV and just like watch 10 minutes of the Flintstones (laughs) (laughs) or just a full episode of Fantasy Island (laughs) he's like a full hour yeah but but he's laughing the shot is locked off on him and you only see like an angle of the TV you can't even make out the image on there so, so it's like the gold watch scene in the Pulp Fiction. There's a TV off screen that yeah. you can really see, and he's a close-up on him. And you just hear, next on Fantasy Island, <laughs> Jacqueline Bissett, Roger Moore. Whoa. We was got him? Did, was there a Moore and Bissett, Fantasy Island? No. Was there ever a Moore, Fantasy Island? There was a Moore, uh, Pollock, Cowbell. Roger J. Moore. Is that an impression you could do? <laughs> Will Jay Moore doing as Christopher Walken as Roger Moore? Money, money. Money. Oh, oh a genuine. Well, I've heard Christopher Lighter. Walken is, is acting as he pulls out the punctuation and he ignores punctuation. Oh. That's how he delivers it. So I guess Roger Moore ignoring but punctuation. Okay, so yeah, it'd be Bond James Bond. Bond James Bond. <laughs> yeah. Bond, Bond, Bond J- James. Yeah, that's it. Bond. Yeah. My name is Bond James Bond. <laughs> Christopher Walken is uh, James Bond. Everybody's, well, he played a villain. Why not play the guy? You have a right to remain seduced. <laughs> I love it. That was really good. Uh, good, good. Right on the schedule. Uh, again, this movie proves uh, what we've seen many times. Newscast desks must cost a lot because <laughs> they always look like shit in movies, even well-budgeted movies. Yeah, I don't know. Just ignore but it. Do you remember it. newscasts from the time? They they weren't anything special either. They were always had to be made of wood because it was like the days before Lucite and all the lighting and everything. And That's even true. the the backdrop was always just like a wood flat with like a probably a wood piece of wall art of some kind or a green yeah. screen. Uh, 
But yeah, get a, just get a nice like executive's oak desk. Yeah, and, and a black backdrop or right. something. And it's like when you see the backdrop, I think is when it starts looking a little yeah. cheapo. Um, the uh, when he shows up in that tunnel that you yeah. got to visit, yeah. that's when the look is coming together. He's got yeah. that cool black jacket oh, yeah. and the stuck up hair. He's kind of like a like a '80s comic book super yes. antihero. Yeah it, yeah, it looks like it would be a. Sand Seth McFarlane, not yeah, Seth yeah, McFarlane. Todd McFarlane. Todd yeah. McFarlane? Yes, Seth oh Mc... my God, if Seth and Todd McFarlane teamed up <laughs> for the Twisted Family Guy. <laughs> hey, Lois, I think I'm covered in bugs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like when he's there, he uses cigarette butts. It's kind of like an yeah. early version of psychic DNA. DNA, yeah. yeah um, like, right. like it reminds me of those things where somebody's like, they stepped out for a break. Took a cigarette and then we ran in and grabbed the trash. Yeah. Now we know it was Dibby. <laughs> <laughs> He's really just protoancestry.com on how you catch killers. Yeah, he does have the powers of ancestry.com with this, even with being able to know who that guy's mom was. And like stuff. how the Golden State Killer was caught. Yeah, uh, that was yeah. actually the Anthony Michael Hall with the dead zone powers, not Christopher Walken. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, he found him. Oh, jeez. Uh, on the set of the Halloween Kills. Um, <laughs> oh, because uh, evil dies tonight, but life. Oh, what is it, boy? Life, life lives today. Remember also his Our open good, mic storytelling good. sequence scene oh, too. God, yeah. I love your observation because I had since rewatched it after you said that about how many times they had to cut away from him because he clearly didn't know his full lines. Oh. I watched him in Weird Science last night. Leslie and I watched Weird oh, Science, I and I got to see him just be so delightful. He's so good at that age. It's not that he's bad now, but you're yeah. right. You can tell he's got a like bitterness, or his heart's not in it, or something. Yeah. But just, vacation and Weird Science and and uh, sixteen candles uh, and sixteen breakfast candles club. and Breakfast Club can't be beat. Oh. That run, it's really oh, good. Man. Uh, the um. Oh, uh, the guy, the killer having like a knit cap and a leather jacket with scissors. This is like the closest David Cronenberg gets to a slasher, a giallo. Reminded me more of those weird Italian movies, like the guy with the scissors, the black leather jacket. Especially what the scissors end up doing, which by the way. That is maybe the scariest thing you could have without any gore. It feels kind of... De Palma to me. Yeah. The whole thing, I guess, the dress to kill scissors thing. But also, what an uh, uneconomical way to kill yourself. That seems like a slow death because when you see him finally and the scissors are sticking out of his mouth, they're not that far in. So he's, I don't think he's even hit his brain. He's just going to bleed out through his soft palate. Yeah. And drown in his own blood. That is not, that's. Uh, the only way I can imagine him doing this, he's like some sort of a performance artist or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why go through all that work? And so he never actually died and they like, no. well, he's dead. Let's leave. And he gets up and then joins the circus. Bitter batter runs away and joins Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Alley, yeah. Um, hey, uh, uh, um, second death of a mother. Um, Christopher Walken mom died uh, from the news. In, in the scene, she has like a heart attack. Oh yeah! And then oh, when this right. killer's mom finds out that he's dead, she he dies. Oh so, man, let's talk about the squib on this woman. That's why I was mentioning it. Mom squib death. How'd you feel about it? Well, you know, there's three grades of squib. There's mm-hmm. the perfect squib, which you can't see coming before, during, or after. You're like, how's 
data mechanism. This is not counting digital scripts. Okay. And then there's there's a horrible squid where you can see it under before it even happens, and even when it goes off, it leaves something to be desired. Like okay, just, so those are the that's yeah, the spectrum. This one's right in the middle, which mm-hmm. it, in itself is its own sweet spot. I love the good one, and I love this one. You can see it, and you still enjoy it, even though you know it's there. I Did mean, you they, see it beforehand? Well, they cut it to it off? right there, but right beforehand. after is when you can tell what a rig it is because she's wearing this baggy sweater and she kind of hunches over so the sweater pulls away from her and you can just see about a, I don't know, six inch by six inch frame of some kind under her sweater <sighs> that's connected to her sweater. The mistake they made, or maybe it became disconnected, is that, that should also be connected to her so that it doesn't like flow with it because it weighs the sweater Uh, down and you see the form and the shape of it. mm -hmm. But I love seeing the seams of that kind of thing. Yeah. And it reminded me of the brood squibs. Yeah. I wondered if you could have a tour. I mean, I guess Sam Peckinpah is probably known for his squibs. Oh, certainly. And maybe Cronenberg has like his go-to squib guy. Squib technician. I know he's uh, this wasn't filmed in Canada, I don't think. It was, I think. Oh, it was. Well, the tunnel certainly oh, was. Oh, then Doi. Yeah, so it was. No, Doi's not Canada. He, he, Doi. he used the same crew all the time. Like, he, he's he been working with the same crew for yeah. like 40 years. Canadian um, squibbers. You, you don't want to lose when somebody's that good? Yeah. Um, now I um, stay shooting in Canada because I cannot get my squib, my squib guy can't work in the States. <laughs> and try to get through customs with a briefcase of squibs. The laugh you're right. We off didn't the shoot plane. the history of violence in Canada, but I'll tell you what, anytime anyone got shot, we took a B, a second unit up there, and we shot all our squibs <laughs> in, in Banff. Right on the border, they just hop over. Uh, um, the doctor does say he visits him in solitude by this point because David Cronenberg, David Cronenberg, Christopher Watkins, like anything I touch, it leads to craziness. I'm just yeah. going to get away from here. And the doctor says, the greater the visions become, the more his body weakens. Um, He's overrun with letters asking for help, fan mail. Yeah, huge amounts, closet full. Um, I noticed uh, you mentioned an ADR moment. I love when ADR is so economical in the five, six words they choose that you realize they just didn't get that day, but it is, it, it illuminates what the scene or movie is about. And it didn't click until the ADR when he says there's ADR on his back or something with the doctor. He's giving an explanation. He goes, nothing can touch me here. I was like, Oh yes. That's why he's in isolation. Yeah, Things can't touch him. They yeah. just needed, I'm an idiot. I needed it spoon fed through. ADR. I think I did too. Yeah. Um, this is when I most noticed, uh, um, when the dad comes and visits him and asking for help at tutoring his son, that's what it clicks into me. Like, Oh, we're in full vignettes here. Yeah. Yeah. This is the third episode now. Even when, when the deputy kills himself, I'm I'm like, well, there's a deeper conspiracy or something's going to be revealed. The mom, no, she just got killed. Okay. Right. There's a dad. What's going on? Yes. This is the moment when we were trying to figure out when people realized in Halloween 3 that it was going to be a <laughs> Michael Myers. This is when people realized like, oh, okay, it's going to be chapters or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, you do. It's nice. I like that the romance is the one thing that tethers everything. It's, yeah. It's nice. Um, the, um, yeah, because here's where you meet Anthony Zerby, right? Y- is that the... 
character, the, the actor. He's the dad, the actor. Oh, I don't know. What's he from? He's in a Bond movie. He's kind of a character actor, but two Bond Bond actors. Huh? Oh, at least um, in one in one frame. I probably. feel like there's one other Bond connection. Who's what is it? Sheen's henchman? That guy is like yeah familiar. I bet to he's me. some great Canadian character actor. Oh, I don't know yeah. who he is. Maybe he's in another Cronenberg movie or something. I did think the trainer, the guy who was like getting Christopher Walken, like back physical therapist, could have been the giblets. Uh, that's what I thought. <gasps> I, I saw the exact same thing. And I, I thought, like, is that him? Yeah, neck giblets. Giblets. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was neck giblets I from the too. brood. And then when I saw it, was I was like, well, why wasn't it neck yeah, giblets? I know. What? Like you obviously have a type for guys in sweatsuits, Cronenberg. <laughs> just, just feed your. Fashion. Um, Anthony Zerby is always so interesting, but I don't think it takes two or three movies before you realize the tick he has isn't a character choice and it's really his. I don't know if you noticed it. He's got an eye twitch, but it's always lends so much to his characters. And I think that's I, I think I knew I don't know if I knew that or not, but it wasn't until I saw this the other night that I like, oh, that's right. This is just that's going to be in all his movies because he's just got it. That um, Walter Merch, that editor, yeah. sound guy, he talks about how a blink in an actor's performance, if an actor is really good. Which yeah. Is like, oh, that's the name of his book in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That it will end a thought. Yeah. And I was noticing it with Nev Campbell in Scream 5. I was uh, like, she's not blinking until the thought is complete, which is like, impressive. But uh, Zerby's got to be tough to edit. I, that's what then. I was thinking. Like, what's yeah. a twitch? How does a twitch fit in there? Oh, my God. A lot of thoughts. Um, uh, well, sometimes if I'm low on sleep, I might get a little eyelid twitch every okay. once in a while. Uh, no judgment. No judgment. No, no. Um, the only thing we judge you here for, Paul, is drinking ass or eating aspirin without water. Eating ass. Bread. That's a Christopher Walken. I was at home eating ass. Bread. I had a cold, so I needed to eat some ass. Perrin. <laughs> One Perron. Liam Perrin's Worcestershire sauce. No, I think the kid is ADR too. Yeah. It sounds maybe. like a different actor's voice. Um, but I love. The tender, I wrote meatballs here. You referenced meatballs earlier. This feels like a weird, like, meatballs. The, 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 yeah, the relationship between them? Yeah. Well, here we are, too. We've got some of that, the, the like, 80s um, bowl cut with this kid. Mm-hmm. But imagine, even if you had that relationship, imagine if you had a tutor who, you're, you're being tutored, he goes to the door, he gets some bad news, you don't know what it is, and you go, are you okay? And he just starts crying and Hugs you. Now, there's nothing sinister about that in this movie. It's all good. That should be able yeah. to happen. But imagine how you'd off- be like, "Oh, I shouldn't have this man teach my kid." No. Yeah. This to is th- this a, day and this age, this is a blue flag. I'm, red flag. Uh, uh, green flag. Uh, black and white checkered. Go, and they're off. But but nine times out of ten, that's actually a wonderful thing. And yet yeah. you can't do it because of the one, and and with good reason. Good reason. The but, one, the one out of ten is so bad, yeah, that it's worth getting rid of. The nine I knew out of somebody 10, whose dad, uh, such a good, decent-hearted guy, who loved kids and liked striking up conversations with kids. You know, you're waiting to yeah. get in a restaurant, and she said a couple times, it didn't compute with those people's 
parents. I'm mean, sure you get it. It's, they're probably being reasonable in that moment in their mind. But uh, I've told the story on this podcast of staying over at a guy's house when I was a kid, and his parents tucked me in and kissed me goodnight, and it was like I didn't like it. You know, uh-huh. and I don't think they had anything sinister involved. They were just yeah. a real pray over their kid and then kiss them. Um, Mike Nichols, when he came to America, he only learned two things in English. I think hello and don't kiss me. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Who was it that was telling me someone knew someone? I think Amanda was obsessive over pregnancy message boards and Mm -hmm. new mom message boards, almost as an observer of like, this is Uh some yeah. wacky shit someone wrote on there help i don't know what to do i came home and my mother-in-law was bathing my daughter but bathing with her <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny little thing you gotta figure out what do you do yep yep yeah. i mean that's never happened to me but yeah. uh that's interesting yeah i bet those motherboards have like really motherboards motherboards <laughs> hello mother Father, uh, what was the, the joke I made? Oh, earlier? father, father starter. Yeah, motherboard and father starter. <laughs> motherboard and father starter. <laughs> right after McMillan and wife, Dine Daly and Nick Nolte are fires. Father, Cagney and Lacey. Motherboard and fire starter. Mother jugs and speed. Um, now this is when we get into. Some full sheen, full Martin Sheen. The full sheen. Really awesome in this, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I do think it's funny that, like, they make him this, like, racist Southern guy who's running for the Senate in order to become president. And it's like, guys, would you believe he wouldn't have to be Southern? He's from a city, and he never even had to run for the Senate. He just ran for president with Trump. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's so funny that they're like, they're trying to make it work. Yeah. Logistic, like, logically, where it's like, I guess he would have to be Southern to appeal to the man of the people. It wouldn't make sense on Earth if he was a real estate guy from Manhattan. I know. Okay, so we got to do that. And then also... He runs for Senate in yeah. order to eventually become president. Nobody could ascend to the presidency without ever no, holding public office. Ross Perot was like one of the first, other than you, like real fringe candidates, but he was the first serious candidate that kind of oh, was yeah. just a businessman. Long 90s, after yeah. that zone. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, and then, yeah, when the guy, I love Christopher Walken in very contemporary times. He's trying to like make sense of like, Wait, but if you think this guy's a buffoon, why are you siding with him right now? And then the guy goes, um, well, because he goes, a real man of the people. Can't people see through him? And Christopher Walken's like, well, you're not calling him on his bullshit. And then he's like, yeah, but if you you want to be friends with him, because if he does get power, you want to be on his good side. And I was like, oh, they've explained yeah, the entire show. GOP platform of we will ride this tiger until it bites us. Yes. <laughs> this is this movie is prescient in, in ways it didn't even know it was going to be. Hey, uh, Stephen King had his own premonition. Whose hand did he hold in order to see the future here? Um, I did think when Christopher Walker was like, blessed, how have I been blessed? I had this accident. I was like, oh, uh, Stephen King kind of predicted his on-the-road accident himself that he had in the late 90s. I think he just besmirched cars too much that they came (gasps) after him. It was karma. Karma. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, 
Touch baby in the next room. The, uh, uh, I do like the. I did write Trump. That's funny. I just, yeah. That's the uh, idea of um, your new your ex has moved on, and of course it's with a Stilson supporter. Like uh. the rub of that. <laughs> um, but then, um, uh, I love how quaint though it is too. With uh, Stilson goes in and says. You're not going to write that editorial. I pretty know, quick. I know it's really sweet. Down, it's down to one paper and one man. And then this man had a, an adulterous affair. Yeah. So now he's not going to write that negative editorial, which wouldn't change everything. <sighs> but it would have. That's what's crazy yes, back then. Right. Same thing with the like holding up the kid. But like Trump saying, I can go shoot someone on Fifth Avenue. I could hold up well, the kid. Yeah, in yeah, Fifth Avenue. yeah, one of my own kids. I could hold up Baron <laughs> Trump. Uh, uh, the um, I also noticed in that scene when he goes to shake down the guy, that's the first non Christopher Walken scene in the whole movie. Mm. I don't think it's necessarily jarring, but you just go, Oh, whoa, this is out of his vision, yeah. Oh, uh, right, so to speak. Um, real quick, there's a scene at the at the rally with Stilson where someone's holding picking a picture of him and they take a picture of him with a disc camera. Do you remember those? No. It was a Kodak type of camera that had its own kind of film for a few years. It looked like almost like the film looked like, do you remember what a, like a Viewmaster mm-hmm. looked like, but the thing you would put in it with the pictures, yeah. the little it looked like that kind of, it was wow. like metallic. And so the whole thing was like almost as flat as a calculator and you would open up the back, put in the disc thing and it would rotate and it was big for a while. And it would each, it would kind of Polaroid the yeah. photo. It, yeah, in, it would in the crank wheel. it up like the revolving, like the the cylinder of a revolver. Man. Every photo you would take, like when you would. Would it wa- be for news reporters and stuff who want to get a series? Uh, or, no, because it was still, I still it was like, I believe, I don't think it was just like, you still had to like advance it, I think. Uh-huh. I can't remember. I never had one, but. Well, that whole TV, that rally on screen when he's given, that's like the best his best scene. I think that's like so yeah. funny and the way he's like acting is really every actor would love to be able to play Stilson. I know. Well, I'm uh, just reminded too of the Instamatic camera. Did you ever have one of those? Yeah, that's what I first thought of when uh, yeah. you said the blue cubed kind of light. Oh, that what's that? Well, those yeah, those were like disposable flash things that you would put on you'd have to buy separately. But an Jesus. Instamatic was, you know, like when you load a, an old 35 millimeter film canister, you have to pull the film out of it and uh-huh. connect it to the next reel. These were like that version, but in hard cartridges. So they look like, <gasps> they look like, um, almost like a bench, like two tubes connected by mm-hmm. a hard piece. And you would just put that cartridge in and it would do the rest. And they were that. usually like long, almost the size of, uh, like a, uh, what like a? Why is it important that I think of what? Was well, it like a like an old detective's camera? Or, like no, that more like broad. the size of a thick remote control. Oh, okay. And yeah. you would like look through the thin end. <laughs> and so it went like thirty-five millimeters to Instamatic to disc camera to this is excluding like Polaroid stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. To then like the early digital cameras. But oh, remember the. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that disposable. would be next. Yeah, the disposable. Yeah, advancing the photo until yeah. it couldn't advance anymore. And yeah, you got to get these developed. Yeah, um, the um, also I I wouldn't want my tutor asking me to read Poe to him while he cried in front of him. That made me a no, little uncomfortable. That, that, that's one where he goes too far. Um, 
maybe the scariest part of this movie, a dad who wants you to go and do sports. I agree. And, and like gives you a moment of like, don't worry, you don't have to go. Uh, and then comes in and that's goes, That's cruelty. On. Yeah. The person who lets you off the hook and then pulls you back in. That's when it's psychotic. But I have to hand it to the kid because his reaction is simply to ignore him and turn to his computer like I am not going. The balls on that kid. He was my hero. Because he doesn't end up going. No, he right? doesn't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Smart kid. Um, he is like the bad dad like in Creep Show, though. Like, Early 80s was times for really intolerant, oh, yeah. mean fathers. And Halloween 6 too, right? Yeah, I feel like that, that has six? more to do with the filmmakers' fathers. Uh, who they the were, yeah. Rather than what a contemporary kid in the early 80s. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there was I think you're right. Father, but uh, yeah. I think you're right. This sort of like stern taskmaster guy. Because you'd always get it in music videos of the early 80s too, where yes. like the kid, the I'm high school kid. Dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, well, parents just don't understand. He's dying. You under, yeah, he gets dying. it. He's dying. Um, he just vomited. When I saw that brass band outside in the cold for that Stilson event, having to blow brass instrument in the cold would suck, man. I wouldn't want to put my lips. Could, you could get the um, Christmas story. Yeah, your tongue might get Christmas story. Stuck in a tuba. Um, then he shakes his hand and... Uh, do you think the length of the vision is the length of time that he was holding Stilson's hand? <laughs> that would be Stilson funny. for like a minute and a half. Like, well, what is this dude's they problem? Come out of everything, and they go straight to Christopher Walken, who's like jarred by the vision, and then straight to the other person, jarred by the weird awkwardness of, "Hey, buddy, can you let go?" <laughs> With like a mustache for how long they've been waiting. <laughs> uh, do you? Oh my god, that. Just the visual of Sonny Summing getting their palm scanned in that oh. wood paneled room. I know. That's Could so you ask for a more set. Yeah. Oh, that whole thing. That whole moment. Because you also don't know the circumstances. They even and yeah. to like purposely. And I like how he's so. more haunted looking, Sheen and stuff. It looks like he's yeah. It's been a few years and But it's the early eighties, so we we know they intend this to be Russia. It's so, so yeah. you don't even even need to telegraph that. But what are the circumstances? Why are they in what seems like a cabin? Are they at NORAD? Very, it or, looks like the brood uh, where they go. Yes, and, and that's right. Breed babies from their so skin. Is Cronenberg also using the same production designer, or does he kind of say like, "I want this wood feel and things"? That yeah, because it's there in scanners. It's yeah, yeah. It's really good though. I know. It really I wish is. I got to be in that room for the rest of my life. Just, I mean, and if then, I had to launch a first strike, and then the shot of the Newsweek with the gun on it when it says that, and then it bl the perfect like suicide blood splatter on the Newsweek. Yeah, uh, which is supposed to be, I'm sure, like Hitler offing himself right. in a bunker and stuff. But um the uh yeah that um uh also I like before that sequence that doctor does have a nice little arc which is at the beginning he says I yeah. didn't contact my mom because I didn't want to destroy the natural order but then by the end he's like no go out and kill that bastard. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. It is a pretty interesting ethical quandary. Yeah, would you? I guess I would like it's it's one thing to sacrifice your physical life, but you'd be sacrificing the your legacy. 
I would want to die in that scenario. Yeah, I would too. Because I, I wouldn't want to like have to go to jail and, and be hated and yeah. yeah. But but you'd still be remembered as a for all time as yeah. a Lee Harvey Oswald. That's why I like to think about this because what if Lee Harvey Oswald knew that if Kennedy lived, he would initiate somehow be responsible for World War Three and wow. kill us all, and he was willing to do that and never have his name cleared because no one would believe him. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to think about, you know? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people know on this podcast that I'm hugely pro Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh yeah. You've He's been great. Yeah. 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 And you think he, uh, you think he acted alone or you think he had friends who helped him? No, I think he acted alone. And when I fight for that argument, it's like, give the man his due. He, <laughs> oh, credit or credit too. Yeah. He's incredibly capable. Yeah. Uh, Lee Harvey overlooked. <laughs> you feel like it is. Uh, okay. Uh, Lee uh, Hardly Oswald. What? <laughs> Lee Hardly? I don't know. It just came out and I just wish you guys would leave me alone about it. <laughs> Stop writing comments. Uh, now, um, the last five to ten minutes of this movie I love so much. Yeah. Somebody going up into a little assassin's nest oh. and then getting the visions. Assassin's nest, yeah. And then just the absolute hilarious assholeness of holding up a I baby. Know. It's incredible. <laughs> that That's the thing with Cronenberg. There is a certain element of it being on the nose mixed with the ambiguity of certain things that you can't yeah. tell. I can't always tell if he's meaning to be ambiguous or he just certain things are blind spots to him. Or he's and, just not interested. Yeah, so he's that just not interested. Yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. It, cause, it creates a mix that you don't get from any other filmmaker. And John Carpenter is adjacent to that in a little bit more of a yeah. Popcorn way, but yeah. Well, I think it's a it's a good thing to say here that I think this is the first non-written by David Cronenberg, directed by David Cronenberg oh. movie. And a complaint we sort of had previously with the David Cronenberg when we watched The Brood and Scanners was that the protagonist feels very kind of like blank and uncomplicated. Yeah, good point. And so the fact that there was such passion in the Christopher oh. Walken performance, I think really – I think made that's a stand apart too. Gotta be right. Yeah. Um, and then uh he gets a squib death. Yeah, why why am I wrote the squib, but why am I forgetting what the significance of his squib is? Where is this squib? Uh, I think it's in the chest. He gets shot in the chest. Why did I write squib? Because he I mean when he gets shot, he does. But have I must a squib. have wrote it for a reason. Is it a pretty good one? I, I just I, I recognize it as a capital S squib. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, also, when you mentioned uh, John Carpenter here again, there's a John Carpenter clip online where he talks about how David Cronenberg showed up at a party and everybody started getting so excited about David Cronenberg, but he could give a shit. It's like, whoa, oh, Carpenter he doesn't uh, ever hold back. He's what a salty son of a bitch that guy. We is. love him though. Yeah. You got to have a little salt with the yeah. What's the other thing that's opposite of salt? Well, um, I'll find out. Um, I think you mean this means pepper. <laughs> <laughs> I meant sugar, but pepper's good too. Yeah. This means pepper. Uh, well, if you're on Team Salt, yell real loud. <laughs> uh, are you on Team Salt or Team Pepper? I'm. I'm on Team the movie Salt with Angelina Jolie. Yeah. Yeah. And if there was a movie Pepper, there must be. Uh, well, the Sergeant Pepper movie. Yeah, yeah that's right. Bee Gees. I can't have you. All right. So what's your best kill in this? I mean, 
Are you going to go Scissors Cop? Yeah. Squib Mom? It, I think the gazebo, when he kills the girl, that whole sequence, him seeing the, the murder happen at the gazebo, I think is my favorite. Okay, your gazebo. I gotta go. Scissors kill. I'm scissors kill and squib mom. Sounds like I'm doing um, funniest home video titles. Yeah, or like a Tosh point oh. Yeah. Wait, was that Ernie Anderson too? Yeah. Hey, cast man. your vote for scissor kill and squib mom. Hey, get your own funny videos. P.O. box a six seven for your own funny videos. <laughs> All right, so. What are you going to give it out of 13 American movie points? I'll give it an 11 and a half. I'm going to give it an 11. Nice. This is a highly esteemed movie for us. What a great kickoff. I'm glad we randomly selected your choice there. Oh, did you say something about random selection? Oh, is it time? It's time. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm scratching the dead zone off the list, so that means that you can no longer choose the number four, and the number four is dead zoned to us. It, in four, like a lion. Oh. Now let's see if it's going to be out like a lion. Well, we got a couple more weeks to know it's out like a lion. So you may choose any number between one and ten that is not number four. And if you choose number four, we're, we're doing Mr. Mom. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, um... I'm going to go with a number that kind of looks like a four if you squint. A nine. So that means we are doing, where is my number nine? Number nine. The next film in the Spring King Fling is Silver Bullet. Hey, fun. Yes. All right. Cool. Very exciting. Uh, yeah. Uh, really only watched it once, but even then it's kind of vague. I, I remember it. sequences had some buddies who really loved it. A friend and his older brother, they swore by it. Never They seen taped it. it off the TV, but you haven't seen it? I have not, and I'm excited. You're way more adventurous, Gourley. You hadn't seen The Dead Zone, and now you're watching it. It takes oh, tough to time for me to make a choice sometimes that's fresh and new. Well, me too. Well, I want to offer a, just a little update on the saga of, of Bob Rochelle. Yes. To take us out. And let, do you have anything oh, else? Townland. Yeah. Well, yeah. this will lead into that. Oh, okay. And I, this is almost an update in the form of a non-update. And I'm just mm -hmm. a, at a bit of a quandary and an impasse. Because okay. when we last left last season, I mentioned that because I had posted a YouTube video of Bob Rochelle getting double side squibbed from the movie Real Bullets about a Universal Studios stunt team getting embroiled with a drug gang led by Martin Landau. Perfect. The only way to post that video on the Patreon was to put a, a clip of it that I filmed with my camera facing my TV, uploaded to a YouTube account I don't really use, and post it on Patreon. Then out of nowhere, long after I did that, a woman writes a comment, Matt, Bob Rochelle is my stepdad and you and I went to high school together. Then I went through this whole thing of like, am I being catfished? Right. And was that where we left the story? I can't remember. Yeah. Okay. So then. I think when we did a Halloween three commentary, you had an update, but so. I updated uh, you personally, but yes. I didn't update right, right, the right. listeners. Yes. Yeah. So I replied twice to her comments and she never answered. And I'm like, well, maybe she doesn't have 
comment notifications mm-hmm. on. Also, she's catfishing me. She would answer right. unless she's so good that the long con is like, you got to make them want, yeah, want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go to her YouTube profile because she has to have one to write this. And she's only got one video up about her workplace. Hmm. And I don't recognize her name. And then trustees started getting involved and started like someone found the Lucerna yearbook and said, there's no Kimberly Vargas. Hmm. And then I thought, well, I'm being catfish. No, it could be a married name. So I finally wrote a comment on her video saying, Oh, uh-huh. Hey, I'm dying to know about Bob. What year were you in all this? And she said, she goes, Oh, I didn't go to your high school. I went to Cal high. Maybe we went to junior high together. And I'm like, Oh, this is a person backtracking. What's going on? Here? That's where I left off. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then I said, well, I, what's, is Vargas a married name? And she said, yes, my name is, and I guess I shouldn't necessarily say her name, but Darkness. it was a name I remembered. Oh. And we did go to junior high together. <gasps> and I wrote on there, I remember you. Oh, wow. And I have a funny story about Bob. I'm I'm dying to tell you. I can't remember what I wrote. Yeah. And nothing. I've not heard oh anything. Oh, my and gosh. This was you're a, so close. I know. And this is the same thing that happened with the stuntman that I was going back and forth with on his video that I... He, yeah. I was like, he's so funny. He goes, you think he's funny? You should try this guy. It seems like nobody wants to a, talk you about get a dead Bob. End. What is it about Bob? And it's maybe like Chinatown. I yes. And I'm starting to think maybe I shouldn't dig any deeper because be careful what you'll find out. Oh, what you dig up, you might uh maybe yeah. Bob isn't the guy I think he is. He's I in don't the CIA. Know. Or maybe still alive. Just, you know, don't meet your heroes even long after they're dead. Well, I'm hoping now that you kind of put this out in the world. Maybe we'll hear something by next week. That's, That's a good I was to gonna be continued. S- yes. Now, last time we played a song from the new Townland album, which is out yes. fully now. It's an album called Honey on the Hi-Fi. You can stream Congrats, it anyway. Congrats, buddy. Congrats. Thank you. And uh, said we might put one or two more on. And I thought I'd save Bob for when I had some more news. But instead, I'm going to put it on now oh, as perfect. an invocation for the cosmos to bring me more goddamn I Bob information. I think that's the right way to do it. So this is just a forgive the sincerity of this song. It's it's a no. it's a deep cut on the album, and it's a little simple. And then this uh, podcast is nothing but sincerity, and it's man. also a, just a, a jumping off point. There's a lot of this song that's pure conjecture. So and and it's oblique anyway. So just here you go. I this is it. Bob from Honey on the Hi Fi, and then we'll be back next week with uh, Silver Bullet. Oh, can't wait, See Bob Seeger and the Silver Bullet Band. <laughs> Take us out, Bob Rochelle and the Silver Bullet. <laughs> Bye now. Hi. Every blow that he throws is a punchline on the nose. But goddamn, give a hand to the man who can comfort on the man.
content, head over to patreon.com slash with Worley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early, plus monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with Gourley and Rust. Email us at withgourleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gourley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Gourley, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gourley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.